Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, I'm a little bit too far to the side there. <laughs> How is everyone doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, and I'm coming to you guys live on the Foxhole app, Twitch, and on Trovo. I hope everyone's having a great Monday afternoon so far. I know I am. It's been uh, it's been one of those afternoons. You know, we're having a good time here. And uh, we're just, uh, you know, basically catching up with everything that's been going on from this weekend. Now, if you guys were with us this weekend, then you know we had a pretty, pretty good weekend. Everyone hanging out together and also enjoying uh, President Trump's speech over at CPAC. He gave quite a speech. Of course, he was running a little bit late, but hey. He's the man of the hour, and, uh, you know, he may do as he pleases. I have always been of the uh, opinion that when things like that happen, they happen for a reason. So, um, you know, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> I'm not going to complain over it or not. It was still a fun time. We had a very fun time uh, hanging out with some of the friends and family over here on Foxhole and on Twitch. You know, uh, we generally get more trolls over on Twitch, but every now and then we have a few bright lights that come over and... Uh, hold the light open for the rest of us. So that's always good and appreciated. Now, I uh, apologize, I'm still getting myself set up a little bit today. Um, okay, so we will have, a, a, we have quite a bit of Trump news to start the show off today. Man's been very, very busy. He drops a lot of statements and he does a couple of interviews. And of course, in traditional fashion, we will be covering those interviews here live on the air with you guys. In case you missed it, uh, he had a brief interview with a gentleman by the name of Lawrence Jones uh, there at CPAC. Now, Lawrence was um, part of the um, uh, Fox News Network uh, party. So that was a uh, pretty interesting, I think, uh, I don't know, I was uh, kind of like mm, a little bit puzzled by how that interview was going. I kind of feel like uh, President Trump was, uh, you know, uh, being a good sport by taking the interview. But even though uh, this man seems to have 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 had good intentions, uh, I think he was ruffling feathers just a little bit. So uh, we'll see that in a little bit. And then, of course, also he had an interview with Maria Bartiromo over there on Sunday Morning Futures, I believe is the name of the uh, program there on Fox. So we'll also be taking a look at that as well, ladies and gentlemen. So yes. And then, of course, if you guys are hanging out with us late last night, we did Mr. C in the Dark. Uh, had a pretty good conversation, a little bit different. You know, there was uh, some headlines involved, but uh, we steered clear of um, how you say uh, le politique for the evening and just kind of talked about uh, some other things that are going around, I guess, than they are like political or, you know, current events. So anyways, like I said, I hope everyone's having a great night tonight. We got some friends dropping in already. We got Texas gal, Joy for Trump, Drailing. Good to see you all. And uh, Joy for Trump, you go on a working and a lurking, my friend. Katieman63 over at Twitch, welcome, good evening. Hope you are doing well. And uh, yes, we're glad to have you in the house too, my friend. Most definitely. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go ahead and uh, before we get into the show in standard fashion, let's take a quick peek at last Friday's chat recap. We had, oh, well, thank you, ma'am. This uh, Texas gal says, I'm looking good in red. <laughs> uh, it was, it's it's uh, time for the red coat rotation. So, uh, yeah, that's why we're popping in this way. Just V was in the house last week, weaponized truth, as well as love warned, pilled by the rabbit, 
and the list goes on. Always in Texas. Uh, let's see, who, who, Raja D uh, making a comeback into the C chats as well. And uh, let's see, Tam Grau uh, hanging out. Let's see what else we got here. Do we have? Uh, oh yes. So there was some. Uh, there was some talking conversation about the whole um, <coughs> bunker. So I did get a little bit more information on that, um, and I'll, I'm, I'm still securing a spot in the bunker. Don't work. Don't you guys worry about it. Uh, we're working through all of that a little bit at a time as we come along. But uh, with any luck, yes, we'll have that extra sense of security here at the Sea Report, because I know you guys enjoy the show and uh, you don't like to miss it. It's always fun to see things live, I think, anyways. But uh, let's see what else we got here in the house today. <laughs> let's see here. I told Matt. Yes, a lot. Looking up was in the house. How you doing looking up? Uh, let's see, Raji, uh, do what you're happy with. Mr. C, your life will be blessed. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's what I try and do, actually. Uh, try and do what makes me happy and, uh, you know, uh, th this makes me pretty happy, you know, being here and sharing uh, news and headline informations with other people. Uh, let's see here. Texas gal evening family. Uh, uh, just reading last week's chat recap. We had a pretty good show last week. We did what um, a whole dive into some of Hunter Biden's emails. Uh, so we were basically looking at uh, Hunter Biden from the perspective of being a suave, high functioning businessman, as opposed to, you know, just a crack addict and a, a sex addict. Uh, now, some comments I did see in the chat uh, to the effect of we can't forget what he's done. No, absolutely. Uh, my point in sharing that information with you all uh, last Friday was not to uh, take away from any of the heinous things that he's done towards other family members or children, but most definitely uh, just to uh, give a broader stroke or a broader perspective um, over his involvement with his crime family, because indeed that is what they are. So no, by no means were we trying to diminish any of his crimes. Uh, like I said, especially where children and uh, I mean, even if the, the family members are children, it's going to count the same if yeah, and if not more, I would say. But uh, we had a, a gift from Tam Growl of a can of Golden Pills iced coffee, she says. <laughs> because I do love my espresso. Now, you know, I do enjoy iced coffee as well. You know, iced coffee is good. Um, I don't mind it iced. I like it hot because I feel like I get more fluid. Um, but, you know, um, on a nice warm day, a good iced espresso is good. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm just not much for the drip. It does some pretty terrible things to my insides. Service Dog Mom was also in the house. 123SKG stopping in to say howdy. Empress Beach to you says, I'll listen to it again today. I will listen to it again tomorrow. It was amazing. Bad people come in every nationality. That was in reference to the Myron C. Fagan a show that we did on that Thursday night. Of course, that was, I mean, that was, to me, that was a marathon type of discourse. It was two and a half hours long. A lot of information, a lot of material, a lot of cooperative information, I would say, as well. So I think, you know, there was just a whole bunch to um, really kind of chew. There was a lot of fat to chew on in that report from last, uh, last uh, Thursday, it was. Let's see what else we got in here. Uh, 
Oh, see, so Empress Beast Chief says in regards to this, uh, uh, the nationalities thing, because, uh, you know, the uh, the context of uh, Jewish uh, people um, in uh, um, a discourse like that, where, of course, you're naming names, you're talking about people who are running things, you're talking about people who are behind certain circumstances and games and stuff like that. And I say games, of course, loosely. Um, Empress Beast Chief says it was not the Jewish people. It was certain people who happened to be of Jewish descent, nor of Jewish faiths. And that's the way I kind of take it, too. It just so happens that the people who are doing those things, at least in that time period, because, I mean, 2021, uh, who's to say exactly who or what or what faith, nationality or race, human race, right, uh, these individuals are at this point, because uh, we don't know, obviously, all the players and the people who do certain things and uh, who are behind certain machinations. Uh, we can't put a blanket over them of being of a certain, uh, I don't know, uh, descent. You know, it's definitely people who just so happen to be uh, of that descent. And then, of course, they're utilized as scapegoats. So that was a good point there, Miss Emperor Speech to you. Good point. We also had the Speak Uneasy in the house, uh, hung out Speak Uneasy last night, had a good conversation with he and the Texan. Posse for Hope was also in the house last week. Uh, let's see what else we got. The Texan as well. <laughs> when Patton arrived, he said they were fighting on the wrong side. Hmm, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember. I don't quite to know if I remember the context of that one Texan, but I'm sure it was accurate. Um, uh, Posse for Hope, Sharon, about her descent. I'm Ukrainian, grandfather raised in Poland, forced to speak Russian. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting how Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine or the country of Ukraine uh, is, is quite a big piece of the puzzle in regards to all the stuff that's been going on uh, with different countries, including the United States, including, you know, bad business and bad politics. Um, it seems like uh, the globalists, the deep staters, what, however you want to call them, it seems that they really chose to make that place their hotbed or maybe their beachhead or maybe just their headquarters of everything that they were going to be doing uh, to everyone throughout the rest of the world. Um, let's see here. Posse for Hope says, uh, oh, wait, no, Posse for Hope gifted a ship. Oh, thank you, Posse for Hope. Most most appreciated for the gold pill ship. Um, and uh, uh, donations are always appreciated. We had Skeeter Burke in the house as well. And uh, let's see, scrolling on down here. Um, it happens to all regions of people. Don't make it tolerable. I really feel for you. Ah, this is uh, for Posse for Hope in response. Uh, that's worse than my granddad having to write with his right hand. Oh, and I have to go back and see what Posse had said. Because I think it was uh, the, oh, well, you know, her family. So, yeah, I mean, just because someone is from that region, obviously, you know, we're all smart and de uh, developed individuals here. We can't simply, it's kind of like, you know, how people have gone crazy with uh, like this Asian hate kind of thing. Like everyone kind of blankets it all on Chinese or people of Asian descent just because we have a supposed Chinese. Well, I mean, we know it's a China virus, obviously. But, you know, uh, people out there who are asleep take that in a different context. And uh, then they just simply become polarized or polar that that group that they are uh, targeting becomes polarized. And then just, uh, uh, you know, to me, ignorant people act out flippantly and it just does not make for a good day at all. 
Uh, let's see. Askita Burke says, I don't know if people are ignorant, racist, or just being a dick sometimes. <laughs> Racism doesn't make any sense. You know, and I, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell Skeeter Burke. Um, and so, you know, and while this is not a comment against anyone, that's why, even though I do sometimes dabble in the realms of like, you know, uh, sarcasm and stuff like that, I generally, as a rule, try not to use it. Uh, because, you know, uh, sometimes lines can get crossed, you know, and uh, information can just sound different, right? You know, kind of like the whole context between uh, something in print versus something spoken. Um, so, you know, if people are just joking about being racist, like, you know, you have comedians out there that use the N word. Uh, and of course, I'm not condoning uh, the usage of that word, but context is key in everything. Um, you know, uh, uh, that can lead to some uh, big trouble for some people. Unfortunately, you know, if we could just take all of the anger and the H hate word out of everything, uh, that would be nice. But then I guess we'd be in a utopian society. Just be also in the house. Um, let's see here. <laughs> the Texan, Mr. C knows uh, Hunter's drug paraphernalia. Yeah, well, you know, um, the more you know, Texan, the more you know. <laughs> Okay, let's see what else we had going on yesterday. Tucker and Hunter are friends, ask Texas gal. Yes, uh, there was an inter there was a, um, a email chain that was released. I shared with you guys, I think, uh, twice, including last Friday, uh, that was released over at torysays.com, where they had uh, information, uh, communications between Tucker Carlson and Hunter Biden. Uh, definitely, they appear to be more than, you know, associates uh, through the chain of that email, addressing each other other's family um, in a very warm and friendly way, you know, uh, give my regards to the missus, tell the girls I said hello, I hope y'all are doing well. So yeah, most definitely. And I don't know, I don't know the extent to which Tucker and Hunter may still be associated with each other. I have no knowledge of that information. Uh, but um, according to those emails, which I think were dated back to about 2015 or so, uh, did definitely paint the picture that they were close associates of some kind kind. Texas Gal says Hunter may have been used by them, but the whole truth needs to come out. If he had any form of indecency with a child, he need, that needs to be handled. Yes, Texas Gal, that's exactly what I was uh, addressing that. Yes, uh, there's a whole big picture, a whole big truth behind Hunter Biden that the American people have not been allowed to see. Uh, it's kind of like, I believe, uh, Tucker Carlson had done a story on uh, one of these Asian ladies that Hunter was seeing. And uh, um, Tucker painted her to be kind of just like a hussy, kind of just like, you know, a call girl. But she was, in fact, I think, like a CEO of a major Chinese company. So I don't know why Tucker would have... Um, I don't know why he would have painted her that way when she obviously had more involvement, business speaking, uh, contractually speaking. Uh, but that's kind of the example that I'm giving here about this big picture, this whole big picture about Hunter Biden, aside from his indecencies and his crimes uh, with children, uh, quite possibly as, you know, has come out on his laptop and stuff. Um, all of that needs to be known. And, you know, I think that's actually a pretty interesting parallel when you think about how, uh, you know, um, when it comes to people like the Clintons and the, the, the storyline or, you know, the trajectory of how we're saying that uh, they've done crimes against the United States, they've committed treason, they've done all these kind of things. But then they also have, uh, you know, the, the, 
the kidnapping, the raping of Haiti, um, uh, the frazzle drip, all of that other crimes against humanity stuff. That's an interesting parallel to me. It's almost as if though uh, Hunter Biden could be the microcosm to their macrocosm. He could be the small digestible information that we can take in and we can say, okay, so it is quite possible that someone could commit treason against the United States of America. And look, they also did these other things. So people can digest that tidbit. And then when the big fish come out to fry, it becomes an even bigger, uh, it becomes even more easier for them to digest the truth as it comes out. Kind of like how the whole Nexium case was just, um, was just like a, 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 I don't know, the opening act for what Epstein's uh, Epstein's involvement with, you know, politicians, world leaders, heads of finance, heads of business would have been easier for people to digest that, hey, you know, we still do have uh, people that treat people as slaves. We still do have human trafficking and sex trafficking and stuff like that. So people can kind of get that uh, in their subconscious and it kind of gets in their mind and they can un- begin to understand it more. And not that it's palatable, but it's easier to digest. It's easier to masticate on those ideas when you know that. And, you know, that's an interesting thing, too, because, you know, you talk about not pre-programming, but like, uh, yeah, I guess like pre-selective programming, like putting those little tidbits and nuggets of information out there so that as the big stories start to come in, they're easier to absorb and you can actually kind of get an understanding and you can actually kind of like what's the word? Uh, you can actually kind of uh, not accept it, uh, but you can you can you can face it more as being a truth that's possible as opposed to thinking it's just outlandish and it's crazy and no one would ever do it. Uh, that's the kind of thing that comes to mind whenever I think about stories like that. So that was the whole purpose in it. Now, we will be doing some more Hunter Biden stories um, um, as uh, the week goes on. We'll probably do another episode where we look more at him. Now, some more information has actually come out on him. Now, I don't have those stories prepped because the stories just came out um, involving him and espionage. Again, um, uh, those were published over at torysays.com. So um, I don't have those with me today. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you guys don't check it out yourself, I'll bring it to you guys here at the Sea Report. Um, Hunter may have been, okay, we read that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, Just V says, ever since the Bobolinsky interview, I've thought that Joe used Hunter's addiction against him and always fed it. They're both a POS IMO. Indeed, Miss Just V. And I would agree. And, you know, I actually had that Bobolinsky interview queued up. But, um, you know, with uh, all the information that we were releasing, I knew we weren't going to have time. Well, I shouldn't say releasing, but all the information that we were covering, I knew that we weren't going to have time to get into it. But I remember seeing that, too. And, of course, Bobolinsky's the guy who blew the lid on how, uh, you know, Joe Biden was actually rather intimately involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings and also receiving a cut from his dealings, like getting money from it. Uh, not only Joe, but also his brother, Joe's brother, Pedo Joe's brother. And uh, and so it just kind of went to show how uh, they were all very well connected and very well knowledgeable of what was going on. And again, that just goes to prove, again, you know, Hunter is being uh, the type of individual who um, was uh, very much uh, adept to business, but then also the fact that uh, illegitimate Joe lied to the American people and lied to his his very, very small and dwindling voter base in regards to some of the things that he's involved in. Uh, and yes, and then of course, uh, this whole using Hunter's addiction, like I didn't cover that article um, 
because you know when they have all of these emails and communications that are being leaked and dropped and stuff like that you get all different kinds of stories like there was a story about how um uh let me think about how joe had might have accidentally paid for some of hunter's prostitutes uh there was a story involving uh joe uh, hunter biden's baby mama from was it alabama or arkansas and how she'd actually done work i think for the obama administration so that's kind of stuff that we don't get into and like uh there was also that one story that talked about um how uh Joe had told Hunter that his addiction uh, was actually the responsibility of Joe and his mother, which I find very interesting. But, you know, that was a story that we were not going to cover just because I wanted to focus more on his business dealings and then, of course, get into China. But of course, now there's even more stories coming out. So we'll have to see how that goes. All right. Uh, the, oh, and then just he says the Tucker emails, it may, uh, makes it plain why Tucker is still on Fox. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that could very well be the case. Uh, I don't know any inside baseball on that as well, but that could very well be the case. Uh, Deborah Erdman was in the house. Hello, Mrs. Deborah. Again, guys, we're just doing a quick recap of last week's chat on Friday. We talked about Joe. Uh, we talked about Hunter Biden. Yeah, and that's another good statement by Just V. I think Joe is worse than Hunter. What father would keep a known drug addict tempted all the time? None I know of. Hunter's creepy. All right. Yeah, uh, that's just it's inhumane. Uh, you know, it's it's degenerate. It's it's I don't know. It's it's disgusting. Um, to think that someone would do that to their own child. So that's why, you know, the part of the title of that uh, yesterday, uh, some Friday's episode was that, uh, you know, he was basically the Biden, uh, you know, crime mule, the mule of the family, carrying out all their work for them and carrying a lot of that weight um, on his shoulders. Again, not to sympathize or create a sympath sympathetic uh, air for Hunter, but just to uh, further further expand on what this man's uh, actual um, pur purpose dealings were with the family. He was way more involved. And then, of course, now you guys, I'm sure, have all heard about this whole th thing that's going on with Hunter Biden's artwork and how that's supposed to uh, kind of be a boon to the Biden crime family. Um, uh, interesting, very, very interesting. I'm sure there are several genuine, real artists out there who are totally pissed off <laughs> because he's just capitalizing on his father's name. And of course, that could be a very good mo money laundering scheme, you know, uh, book deals, art, uh, stuff like that. Uh, there's always uh, new and interesting ways to launder money, it seems like nowadays. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we won't get into all of that for sure. Okay. What else we got here? Uh, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum. <laughs> Skeeter Burke, one word, frazzle drip. I know that was killery, but yep, I can only imagine. Yeah, there's no telling how many of them were actually involved in that stuff. Sick, twisted people. We could actually do that kind of thing to an, a human being, let, a, let alone a child, is disgusting. Uh, Tunkley's or Tunkles one was in the house. Good to have you in the house, Tunkley's. <laughs> Is it okay if I say Tunkley's? Tunkley's. Okay. <laughs> EWB was also in the house. Uh, month not yet, 83,000. Hmm. Uh, Nani0831 how was, uh, was also hanging out in the house last week. Glad to have you along for a daytime show. I guess evening show, daytime show. Uh, let's see what else we had. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. I took snapshots of what she was showing. 
Uh, oh, what was that in regards to? I took snapshots of what she was showing. Huh, I don't remember. Let's see. Okay, well, we'll keep on moving right along. We'll keep on moving right along. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Posse for Hope, we can go back on Clinton's emails, connect many of these people to her crime ring. Yeah, uh, a lot of these people are most definitely involved. Um, and uh, they are all part of the same fix, meaning uh, it's usually the same old suspects that are doing and running all of these things. It's amazing when you think about uh, how small their like group probably is, but yet if you're positioned in the right positions, if you're put in the right position, you can do a lot and you don't need many people to do it. You just need to have enough people in key positions in order for that to happen. So let's see here, what else do we got? Um, let's see, one, two, three, SKG. We got also uh, Skeeter Burke donating 217 gold pills. Very, very uh, nice, thank you, ma'am. Always appreciating the donations. Uh, John Carey's son is involved too, says uh, one, two, three, SKG, yes. Carey's son was involved, I think, in Rosemont Seneca as well as in Burisma, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I do believe I've heard that name as well as Pelosi's son come up with uh, uh, um, his name coming up in it. Uh, Weaponized Truth was in the house. Don't, I think I might have mentioned. Posse for Hope uh, donating a phone. Thank you for your, uh, thank you, Mr. C. You're most welcome, Posse. Um, let's see here. And then what else do we got? Perjury, weaponized truth. I said, I trust Tori said as far as I can. <laughs> weaponized truth says, I trust Tori as far as I can throw her. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't make it a practice to throw people, my friend. Uh, but uh, her information's actually always been spot on it where I looked into it. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, what else do we got? Lobbyists have to go from the government. Yep. We need to investigate all lobbyists. And, you know, that was one of the best things about President Trump is he definitely uh, struck a blow against lobbying, lobbying firms and lobbyists there in Washington, D.C. And then what? Uh, Joe, Joe invades the uh, White House and uh, it seems like uh, the lobbyists are making a comeback um, steadily, you know, as they go. Um, I guess I lost you again. Nice truth with Texas gal. Uh, thank you for sharing, but damn, that's, <laughs> that was a lot of information last week. Weaponized truth. That was definitely a lot of information. Uh, so I was glad you guys hung out, uh, for the duration of the show. Um, every now and then we'll do that here at the sea report. We'll just like tunnel into it. Uh, one, two, three SKG also donated a cookie. Um, let's see here. Uh, and also I think that was it. Uh, and speaking easy says, I need to try a Cuban coffee and I look forward to trying it sometime soon, my friend. Okay, I think that wraps up Tam Growls in the house. Speaking easy, Curious Cat also in the house. I think that wraps up last week's chat recap. It was a, it was a very heady show, ladies and gentlemen. It was a very heady show, a very heady show. Now let's see who we got hanging out with us today. Uh, we have, da -dun, da -dun, da -dun, Drailing, Joy for Trump, Texas Gal. Also, Weaponized Truth, how's it going, sir? Uh, Vanguard 360, Just V, Gina from West Virginia. Good to see you again. Um, and let's see who else is hanging out. Just V, gift in a can. Thank you very much. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you, Just V. Looking up, also hanging out. And uh, let's see, Two Rivers, Monkey Toe 71. Good to see you, Sherry Pittsburgh. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Angel Wings. All right. Uh, we have uh, all of our usual suspects in the house, it seems. 
And of course, we have some people who uh, are making some appearances at the C Chats again tonight. Welcome. And uh, thanks for coming in and joining us. Always, 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 I will hold the door open and leave the light on for anyone that wants to join in. Better Lately is also in the house. How's it going? Better Lately. I saw you just creep in there. Okay. So, and then also before we get started today, I just wanted to uh, give a special thanks out to one of the viewers and listeners out there at the Foxhole app. Uh, they sent me a really cool gift. Now, um, so some people, uh, uh, it's actually, it was mentioned first over at Twitch. And uh, uh, I mean, of course, you guys know how Twitch goes. <laughs> Usually it's a whole bunch of trolls over there. One of them was like, uh, just because, oh no, what they say, they're like, you have a pen, you have a pen in your hand. They're like, um, um, do, do you actually write things down or is that just for show? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I have a pen in my hand. That's just something that I don't know. I do. I'm a writer. What can I say? And, uh, and then of course some people were like, well, you can't, you can't just wave a pen and have a bald head and act all important. You're dumb. Like, yeah, well, uh, thank you very much out there. I got this really cool pen. You know who you you are. Um, I, I already uh, emailed you back and hopefully you caught that. I haven't checked my email, so I'm sorry. But this is a um, 58th inauguration pen. Uh, my friend there had mentioned it would be way cool if I had a Donald Trump pen, you know, like one that he uses to sign his laws. And uh, out of the kindness of their hearts, uh, they sent me over a really cool pen. So we have an official Mr. C pen utensil here at the C Report. So uh, I look forward to waving this thing around and acting important <laughs> on the air. And thank you again from my heart to yours for this. This is a really cool gift. Like this was really cool to get. So uh, I, I feel like really official now. It's, I'm probably never going to use it to write because I want to preserve it. But uh, definitely you will see me busting this baby out here on the C Report. So thank you again, friend out there for that. I really appreciate you. And uh, that's a really, that's a really cool gift. And I like the color blue. So that's perfect. So anyways, just in case you're wondering where I'm getting the snazzy, snazzy new, uh, uh, would you call this a prop? I, <laughs> I wouldn't call it. It's a pen, but uh, you know, I don't want to waste the ink. I want to preserve its, uh, its originality. So, but it'll be here with me on the show in case you guys ever see me waving it around. And you're curious, but I just thought I'd give a shout out to the viewer uh, who um, who uh, sent that over my way. So thank you again. I most definitely appreciate it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, with that said, let's go ahead and get into joy for Trump. Thank you for the can. I appreciate the donation. Do donation. <laughs> I appreciate the donation. Okay, most definitely. All right, let's go ahead and get started because like I said, we have a lot of President Trump news and statements and interviews to get through. It was almost going to be a solid President Trump show. I don't think you all would mind it. I know I wouldn't, but we're also going to throw a little bit of audit uh, information and updates here uh, coming from what we see. We got it lightly coming from Arizona, Pennsylvania, and also Michigan. So again, you know, those three being among the top, the top most contentious and contended uh, five or six states during the entire uh, 2020 election fraud. Uh, we'll just update you guys with some of that info and then we will move along, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So as always, President Trump leads at the Sea Report. So let's see what, like I said, he gave us a whirlwind of statements. Now, I haven't checked his statements probably within the last two hours. So if he had anything new popping up, then we'll most definitely uh, take care of that today. And would you look at that, guys? Hold on. Let me fix something real quick here. I don't know if any of you guys caught that or not. 
I was approximately four days behind, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, <laughs> that's much better. Today is July the 12th after all. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, let's see, first statement from President Trump, and it saith, uh, very important that Senate Republicans not allow our hard-earned tax uh, reductions to be terminated or amended in an upward trajectory in any way, shape, or form. They should not be making deals on increasing taxes for the fake infrastructure proposals being put forward by Democrats, almost all of which goes to the ridiculous Green New Marxist deal or Green Deal Marxist agenda. Uh, keep the Trump administration tax tax cuts just where they are. Do not allow tax increases. Thinking about it, I have never seen anything so easy to win politically. Also, rhino Republicans should stop negotiating the infrastructure deal. You are just being played by the radical left Democrats. They will never, they will give you nothing. So he says. So yeah. And that would be political suicide, I think, if anyone decided to undo any of President Trump's tax breaks, um, at least, you know, uh, at least on paper. Um, and uh, if, if anyone was savvy enough to call people out on that, I think it would definitely be a political doomsday for any politicians that want it to go that way. Now, could Democrats get away with it? I'm sure they could. But uh, we do have 2022 coming around quick for them. Uh, I know all of us are pretty much still hanging out on planet audit the elections from 2020. It's a fine place to be. The view is getting much better. The climate is getting more temperate as uh, the election audits continue to roll out. Um, you know, we, we're just waiting for that hitch to go off. And of course, doing our part by demanding audits from our elected and local officials in our own neck of the woods and voicing to them the fact that uh, we demand that to be, uh, that we demand that to take place. So uh, we will stay on that wagon, of course, because um, if they cannot get 2020 figured out, uh, even with all of the new, um, with all of the new uh, uh, um, securities that they're uh, preparing um, in the wake of the fraud that took place last week. And by that, I mean, of course, uh, the election integrity reform laws, uh, tightening down on election laws that are current, as well as uh, batting aside any new laws that Democrats or progressives might be trying to pass to legalize the theft that they uh, did from last election. Uh, we got that going on, of course. And then also, uh, you know, as we saw last week as well, um, the whole, uh, well, the new ballots, uh, secure ballots that they were they're trying to introduce over in uh, Arizona. And of course, if uh, if it goes that way in Arizona, I will not doubt that it will go that way for the rest of the country. <clears throat> now, usually it's Texans who say as Texas goes, so goes Texas in the world. But in Arizona, you know, they've been on top of this stuff. They've been on top of the audits and they've been on top of uh, of modernizing is what I would say, modernizing election integrity. See, here I am over at the C report saying that we just need to use the whole punch method. And they <laughs> and they come up with a whole brand new ballot with like four or five different security devices that will make sure that they cannot be um, that they cannot be a uh, um, uh, counterfeit or faked or forged or anything like that. So that's pretty interesting. But hey, from what I understand, they cost like 25 to 45 cents per ballot. I don't think that's a big increase to taxpayers to ensure election security. 
But again, uh, we need to make sure that 2020 is handled. Um, you know, whether that means uh, uh, something something untoward was is discovered in the process of these audits, or just that uh, they can uh, they can uh, put Democrats' minds at ease that it was in fact a secure election. Because at this point, that's what all it is. They're just putting Democrats' minds at ease, so that this way they can say, "Oh, okay, you know, Joe Biden did win." There's nothing to all of these rumors I keep hearing about uh, election fraud and President Trump still going off about it. But, uh, you know, you know, it was crazy, guys. Like even during even during uh, CPAC on Sunday uh, uh, on Fox News, they ran a disclaimer during President Trump's speech when he was talking about election fraud and what had happened. I can't believe that they were running a disclaimer even on TV as if though they were like Facebook or Twitter or something, putting up this cautionary statement saying that this could be, you know, it's just, it is just so crooked. I just, I cannot stand it. I can't take these people. Um, and, and, you know, there's another, there's another, if there, if you guys didn't have enough strikes against uh, Fox uh, for what they've been doing, there should be another one uh, that's just as bad as Newsmask, uh, you know, bowing down to Dominion because they were afraid of a lawsuit um, where I'm sure the American people, as well as maybe even people in Trump's camp, uh, by that I mean like the lawyers, whether it was Rudy, Rudy Giuliani or otherwise, uh, would have assisted Newsmask in, uh, in you know, figuring out a way to fight Dominion. Uh, I think it would have done uh, people like Lindell and Powell good to have had a news agency on their side. But nope, Fox News, Newsmask, they all like they all laid down uh, to to the threats uh, as empty as they are of Dominion. So I don't know, guys. Fox, why why even bother, right? Why even bother? <laughs> and with that said, we will be airing two interviews with President Trump that took place on Fox. Go figure. Okay, well, we want to hear the words of our president, and we know that he also drops inter interesting information, uh, insightful statements and perspectives, uh, regardless of whose platform he's interviewing on. Uh, but of course, for him, the name of the game is also making sure that uh, that information gets out to an audience that, though it may be shrinking, is still full of individuals that are either on the fence or are asleep or just willfully, uh, you know, committing uh, committing this uh, kind of apathetic treason against the American people and themselves, essentially. Okay, next statement from President Trump. Uh, he says, very interesting, funny, yet sad, that every time I read or hear a story in the lamestream media about the 2020 presidential election scam, it always is preceded by the fact that while no evidence of voter fraud is available or statements to that effect, this could not be more incorrect or fake. Massive evidence has been accumulated which shows voter fraud at a level that is virtually beyond comprehension. The radical left writers say that not say this nonsense over and over again, and so does the fake news media. What is true is that as evidence comes out, they don't write about it or bring it forwards in any way, shape, or form. Nevertheless, and unfortunately, oh, nevertheless, and fortunately, it gets out through the internet and other methods, and the feelings of a fake election is stronger now than ever before. Check out the recent story of 35,000 votes in the great state of Georgia, and watch what is happening in Arizona, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and other states. 
The only reason Detroit, Michigan is not yet under investigation is because the Republicans in the state Senate are a bunch of weak rhinos that are afraid to act. Detroit is one of the most corrupt places on earth and the information is coming out and fast. In any event, mainstream media should stop saying while all the allegations are false, when they know the exact opposite is true, people and facts are coming out at a level which can only be called fast and furious. Hmm. Okay, so first of all, I wonder, like, uh, did he say fast and furious for a reason? Uh, is he trying to call that back up to the minds of uh, Americans everywhere? Um, you know, that uh, uh, indeed this is as big a scandal. Well, it, I mean, yeah, it's as big a scandal as Fast and Furious. It's, it's as damning as Fast and Furious was. Um, but, you know, uh, seeds, seeds to be planted, I would say. Seeds to be planted. Now here also, he's getting into, uh, uh, which is basically the truth, just like Fox putting up that, uh, that, uh, that, um, that cautionary uh, um, text while he was speaking at uh, CPAC in Dallas this past Sunday. Uh, you, you always have the talking heads. You have all of these people in the mainstream, lamestream, uh, fake news media who are talking, uh, uh, who always say, you know, there's no proof. Uh, and, you know, it's a, for me, that's a good gauge. Also, whenever I start reading articles and like going into going into the meat of the headlines, uh, if I'm coming across, uh, say, like a journal or like um, a paper or what have you, a website that I'm not familiar with, you can always tell where they stand simply based on uh, using phrases and sentences like that, like you know, uh, they'll, they'll say something like, uh, you know, President Trump continues to tell a lie or uh, the, the 2020 elections was undoubtedly the most secure election ever in United States history. And, and how indeed could they even know that? Uh, but um, yeah, those are those are the uh, those are the taglines. Those are the uh, the hinters right there that kind of let everyone know what is going on in that regard. And allowing people to kind of see them for who they are, you know. That's why when I I read a, I read a news mask article like that too that said there was inevitably no fraud in the 2020 election. However, President Trump X Y and Z, and I was like, really, news mask? Really? You're really going to say that? Like, did you not air all of the hearings where they had all of the affidavits and they were showing the abundance of fraud that was just simply dismissed on technicalities by Obama appointed judges like that? I was like, OK. The other one that gets me is when they say our former president, we're having the former president on the air, the former president, this, the former president, that I just simply replace that with our 45th president because uh, that is highly more accurate and um, it's more palatable to people who don't want to hear the truth or who maybe are sitting on the fence. Uh, they can stomach the 45th president. But if I were to go on there saying our still president, <laughs> um, our president, our shadow president, uh, people would probably be like, eh, uh, this guy's a conspiracy theorist. Change the channel. So anyways, yeah, those are kind of phrases that I look for whenever I'm reading articles and uh, kind of spilling into some of this information. But they will continue to show themselves for who they are uh, by their words and by their choice phrases. Um, and we just have to be uh, weary enough or um, alert enough to pick up on that. Most definitely. 
next statement from President Trump. I see that the rhino senator from Alabama, close friend to old crow Mitch McConnell, Richard Shelby, is pushing hard to have his assistant fight the great Mo Brooks for his Senate seat. She is not in any way qualified and is certainly not what our country needs or not what Alabama wants. For Mitch McConnell to be wasting money on her campaign is absolutely outrageous. Vote for Mo Brooks. He stands for America First and everything Alabama wants. He also has my complete and total endorsement. Ah, uh, yes, the coveted President Trump endorsement. Uh, more on that as we move along, because uh, we could see like there's been some crazy stuff going on with that. You know, you have people who are faking Trump endorsements. You have people who are saying he's been endorsed by them. Uh, but uh, he's standing by his word on those whom he endorses. Uh, it's up to those people to stay at 100% as they say, um, once uh, they've received that endorsement and only time will tell for sure. Um, even in the case of those that we know have a certain track record, uh, I think uh, it's uh, it's just, you know, it's important to watch their moves. I mean, uh, in my opinion, Trump and those who work behind him, very, very bright, intelligent people, but they cannot be privy to everyone's information. I don't know. Um, do you think that they vet every single person that they do before they make their move. I mean, they could do that possibly. It's very quite possible. However, um, you know, it's that's uh, that's also that takes a lot of resources. So um, I guess we'll have to go and wait and see how that's going to go. Now, was it a uh, was it a uh, Max Max was it Max Miller over in, in Ohio? I think uh, he, for example, you know, it's kind of like meh. Kind of get a gitchy feeling from him, but apparently he'd worked with President Trump on his campaign um, and had, uh, you know, had known the president uh, to a, a better extent than, you know, other people do who have received his endorsement. So uh, uh, just going to trust as a, as he is the boss, he's going to trust the people that uh, come to him to work with him. Um, and then hopefully they remain in good graces and they show themselves, prove themselves to actually be, uh, you know, um, honorable, trustworthy and America first uh, minded uh, uh, patriots and individuals uh, representing our country. Next statement from President Trump. Very proud of the campaign that Susan Wright is waging in Texas sixth congressional district runoff. She's working very hard, has already defeated the Democrat and has a substantial lead to close it out on July 27th, 2021. Her great husband, Congressman Ron Wright, uh, would be very proud of the job that Susan is doing. They had tremendous love and respect for each other. In any event, Susan Wright has my complete and total endorsement. She will represent her district and our country very well. For all of those finally realizing what a great job we did with respect to the pandemic, including rapidly filling the cupboards that were left bare by the previous administration in both the federal government and states, please also remember that it was the Trump administration that produced the vaccine in less than nine months, many years ahead of anticipated schedule. Biden and his group just used our plan of distribution, which had started long before he took office. Without the vaccine, the entire world would have ended up like it was in 1917, the Spanish flu, where as many as 100 million people died. While we get no credit for this from the fake news media, the people know. That's why I got 75 million votes. 
So kind of piecing through this statement, you know, I was uh, trying to understand the correlation between the uh, vaccines as well as, um, uh, uh, con well, not yet congressman, but candidate Susan Wright. Um, now, Susan Wright, in her case, uh, we know, of course, that her husband, oh, duh, Mr. C, that's the correlation. Her husband died of coronavirus. I'm so silly. I'm so, I apologize. That's, that's like a no brainer. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So, um, but you know, uh, what I was going to say in regards to Susan Wright and the, the campaign that she's running in uh, the 6th District of Texas, um, that, that, uh, that entire election um, uh, process uh, is a good example of um, splitting the vote to weaken a good opponent. Because at one point, just in the Republican primary, she was contending against about 13 other individuals who were vying for that seat. 13 others. Now, she came out on top with President Trump's endorsement uh, just by, you know, she's in a runoff, basically. Had she not received and prior to receiving that endorsement, actually, she was she was still a little under after the endorsement. It pushed her just ahead to get into the runoff. So I guess President Trump is now giving her a second endorsement to kind of take her across the finish line there as they wrap up that election uh, election contest. Uh, what is it on July 27th? So that's coming up soon. Uh, but yeah, so another great example of, uh, well, not a great example as in that it's great, but another solid example uh, in regards to, uh, um, you know, having a good contender, having a good candidate, and then uh, the vote being split by, you know, a house full of other people who are in the same party that are trying to get in there as well, which is why I hope when it comes to, you know, uh, say, for example, like the governor, um, the governor's race that will be happening in Georgia, you know, I'm like, well, you got you got Candace Taylor and you got Vernon Jones. Now, if I were in the state of Georgia, I know who my vote would go to. But regardless, I mean, what if you had another three or four good candidates and, you know, a couple of shills who are also running for governor that could very well give the lead to a Democrat who has no opponents. And then they could easily just, uh, you know, foray all of their votes into that uh, one candidate's account. And then they take it's a story that we've seen happen before, ladies and gentlemen. I just hope that people who are actually in this position and who are running for office uh, um, wise up to it. And it's not um, it's not a race of egos, but it's a race of what's good for the people and good for the country or good for the country and good for the people. And that they will actually, you know, uh, concede if necessary in order to ensure that the the best candidate um, and that would be the America first candidate, the constitutional minded candidate will get in. Um, and it's not just about ego tripping and, and wanting to win a race, you know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have another statement from President Trump. Okay, this one says, remember when the fake news media would blast me about how well Seoul and South Korea was doing with the pandemic? Well, now, sadly, well, now, sadly, Seoul is riddled with the China virus almost beyond what other countries had to go through. They are having a terrible time of it. The media also used India as another country doing really well. We all know how that ended. They talked about these two countries in order to demean my administration, which has now been proven to have done uh, an incredible job. 
I only bring this to open to this. I bring, only bring this up to show how dishonest and corrupt the fake news media are. And I don't think I have to make another statement on that statement. Um, that's pretty succinct and pretty obvious. Uh, and a final still oh, wait, wait, this is not the final one, but we're almost there, guys. President Trump writes, I am proud to inform you that the lamestream media has hit the lowest approval ratings ever recorded. I think it would be fair to assume that if I had something to do with it, they are not only dishonest and corrupt, they are truly, according to a recent poll, the enemy of the people. In a similar category, CNN's ratings are down a whopping and record-setting 79%, and likewise, horrible numbers at MSDNC. Joe Scarborough and his lovely wife, Mika, are at a record low. These developments are great news for the American people. Again, another well-said and succinct statement from our president. We don't need to get too much into that. I mean, no one here present watches CNN or MSNBC anyways. I know I cannot stand Joe Scarborough. I just cannot stand that man, his face, his glasses, and that time he tried to sing. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, okay, almost there. Uh, met with many of the most important influencers last night in Las Vegas. Lots of topics discussed, including the fake news media and how to go around this honest journalist. Some really good ideas emerging. A very short statement. Um, I don't know what all influencers are there were there. I think it'd be cool if they were, you know, some of the people that were there also during his press conference. Uh, was it this past Wednesday that he held? over in uh, his Bedminster, New Jersey uh, establishment. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Of course, uh, you know, a lot of people talking about President Trump being um, uh, present during, was it the UFC, I think, or the, I don't know, MAA, or I don't know what it's called. But he was there and the crowd was loving it. So that was cool. Very short statement from President Trump, 1776, not 1619. Indeed, we've talked about the 1619 project at large here at the Sea Report. We covered it last week, uh, kind of went a little bit more into its history and uh, what their end game is. Of course, they want to make America all about slavery, uh, even though, you know, these slaves came from what? Uh, a pirated ship from Portugal. Uh, we didn't even go over there and try and take the people. They just ended up being here. And then, of course, they don't even have a record if they were indentured or if they were actual slaves. So their story, it just, you know, it falls apart from the beginning if you actually look at it. Of course, there were some other really good points that the friends are bringing out in regards to 1619 Project. Um, but uh, yeah, and that's again where Juneteenth is coming in to take over the 4th of July. But we're not going to let that happen. No, nah, we don't take kind to those types of ideas in these parts. Uh, 98% approval rating, approval painting. It's a 98% approval painting. <laughs> it's a 98% approval rating at CPAC, the highest ever by far, a new record. Uh, and yeah, so uh, he had some pretty high poll numbers when he was going up against other uh, Republicans as possible future presidents. Of course, I know I heard that uh, Mike Pence bottomed out at zero zero percent support from those in attendance that says a lot all right ladies and gentlemen now that was the final statement i have for you guys on hand but uh we do have some other news from president trump he will actually be in arizona 
uh, as a keynote speaker in an event happening on Saturday, July 24th. So guess what, ladies and gentlemen, if it's televised, we will be covering that here at the Mr. C channel. So if you guys are um, doing nothing or if you want to hear what our president has to say, make sure you tune in on Saturday, 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 July 24th. Now, uh, the event is uh, is uh, noted to be taking place at 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So obviously there's going to be a lot of speakers. Now, the event is called the Turning Point Action. Um, and this will be um, this will be an event that is called Rally to Protect Our Election. So that is very appropriate, considering that the gold standard of audits is taking place in Arizona, Phoenix. And um, and so, yeah, like, uh, I mean, that's kind of exciting. Like if they're going to have President Trump there on July 24th and, you know, they're making statements that uh, they could be releasing the audit information as early as mid-June or early, I mean, August or um, early August. Uh, there's no telling what could be in the works there. Of course, um, you know, uh, people wanted to attend the event. It's supposed to be taking place at... Um, Let's see here. Do I have a location? Yes. Uh, the Arizona Federal Theater, 400 West Washington Street, Phoenix, Arizona, 85003. Uh, it sounds like it's a free event. So if any of you friends out there are in Arizona, uh, hop on over to uh, maybe, you know, I don't know if they had this listed at his website, DonaldJTrump.com. I hadn't checked there, but uh, I get all of this information off of his Telegram. Or just look up uh, Turning Point Action website, and they should be able to give you information on how you can get in. It's going to be on a first-come, first-serve basis. So that's why I'm saying it, I do believe this is going to be a free event. Uh, it's, again, a Protect Our Elections rally featuring President Donald Trump on July 24th, 2021. If I lived in Arizona, I would be there and it's free. So like I would encourage all of our friends who are out there who might have uh, um, the ability to attend to make a day of it, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing since President Trump is going to be the keynote speaker, he'll probably be on about 3 or 4 p.m. in the afternoon if it's wrapping at 5 p.m. Of course, that's just speculation. The man will set his schedule as he sees fit, and we're not going to hold it against him either. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so now what we got for you guys is an interview with President Trump on Maria Bartromo's Sunday, Sunday Morning Futures. Let me go ahead and get that working for you guys. And I just want to make sure that we don't got a commercial playing whilst we get this going. I had it on pause for quite a bit. You know, usually they throw a commercial in there whenever you've had it on pause for like an hour or two. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like we're good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go ahead and get this rolling. Now, this interview actually came out prior to CPAC. So uh, there will be some reference to that in there, obviously, uh, but uh, a very, very good interview. He uh, he always he always delivers the goods whenever he's uh, speaking on uh, the main channels there and uh, letting his mind be poked. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, sit back a spell and uh, we'll get this going. Joining me right now is the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, on the telephone. And, Mr. President, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Well, thank you very much. We've been looking at the border numbers and the crime statistics, but I want to get right to your pushback on big tech, Mr. President. You wrote an op-ed after you launched a lawsuit 
against these major big tech companies. Tell me why this is different. We've been told that social media cannot be sued. So why is it that you are able to launch this lawsuit against Twitter, Google, and Facebook and their CEOs, sir? Well, we're working with the America First Policy Institute, brilliant people, great lawyers, everybody's so enthused. People are joining because it's a class action. It's not about me, it's about everybody. And people are joining left and right. They're joining at a level that nobody, I guess they, I could say this on your show, it's takeonbigtech.com, takeonbigtech.com. And they're joining like, like I don't know, I guess probably most of these class actions I've never seen before. And what it is, is they're taking away your freedom of speech. They're taking away your right to speak. They're taking away everything and they get powers. They have a section 230, it's called, and that gives them immunity, that gives them protection. But once they have that, they no longer have that kind of a power where you can't go after This is a private company. Well, now they're not private companies. They're getting the biggest subsidy and you can call it that. They're getting the biggest subsidy that any co company has ever gotten from a government. I mean, they, they're immune from so many different things, but they're not immune from this lawsuit because what they've done is such a violation of the Constitution, a violation like we've never seen before. You look at, they take me down, they take all conservative voices down, or most of them. If they find them, they take them down. It's a disgrace. Now, Mr. President, your lawsuit argues that big tech companies are being used to impose illegal and unconstitutional government censorship. In other words, they are working as agents of the government. Uh, we do have uh, information uh, and evidence to show that there was a real conversation going on between Mark Zuckerberg and Dr. Anthony Fauci, for example, during the pandemic. Uh, they did censor key information. We had Dr. Corey and Senator Ron Johnson on last week to discuss ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, which may very well uh, have been very important treatments for uh, COVID-19, and yet social media censored them. So tell me about that, because you've got social media working hand in glove with the Democrat Party. Is that what gives you the opening to sue these companies, even though they do have that 230 immunity? Well, that's one of the many reasons. But when you say they work with government, they work with Democrats within government and, frankly, outside of government. They work with the Democrats. It's a Democrat machine. It should be a campaign contribution, the largest ever made. And even on the election, how they helped rig the election, the 2020 presidential election, they have locked boxes all over the place. They bring them in late. They bring them in whenever they want. The boxes are open. Trump has some, in some cases, virtually no votes within the boxes. Like we got no votes. We got 12 million more votes than I got the first time. And they have a lot box and people are looking at that left and right. By the way, the investigation going on right now from different states is massive concerning the, the rigged election of 2020. It was a disgrace. But a big part of that rigging was done by these companies, these very companies that we're suing on different grounds and on other grounds. Yeah, I, I want to get back to that in a moment. But, you know, you these companies are pushing back. And yet I had a list on this program 
two weeks ago about the biggest lies of all. Uh, that includes the Russia hoax, the phony dossier, impeachment with no crime, Hunter Biden's laptop business deals, the origins and treatment of COVID-19, voting laws in 14 states or Jim Crow. And of course, they called the armed they called it an armed insurrection and yet no guns were seized. All of this misinformation to the public. And yet Twitter has restricted the account of a Chinese scholar who dared to mock Xi Jinping. Also, Twitter allows the Global Times, which is Chinese Communist Party propaganda, to come out with a story the other day and recommend that the CCP bomb Australia. How is it possible that these companies that have enriched themselves because of the liberty and freedoms of America to go on and cancel a former president, a sitting president at the time, and allow propaganda from the CCP to run wild and Iranians run wild on Twitter. I, I don't understand what this motivation is. Well, the motivation is the sick motivation. And when you look at it, they allow Hamas, they allow uh, uh, countries and dictators that want to destroy everything and everybody that are doing tremendous harm to their countries, killing people by the thousands. They're allowed. But a president of the United States that has a following like nobody's seen before, we're not allowed to do that. And so we have to use other methods until this lawsuit is, it's going to wind its way through the courts. I think it's going to be very successful. It's been, as you know, it's been very well received, very popular. A lot of legal scholars are saying it's about time. So we look forward to that. Mr. President, it is being also reported, though, that this was filed in Miami, in Florida, rather, and yet the jurisdiction is not right because the terms of service for these social media companies uh, are in California. So explain that you filed this lawsuit, class action lawsuit in Florida, and yet their terms of service say that this can only be done in California. Well, I filed a lawsuit, and I live in Florida. Florida is my home state, and we filed it, therefore, in Florida. And they would probably like to get it out of Florida. Maybe they'll try and bring it into an area where they feel they have total control of everything, and they'll try, and our lawyers will be fighting. The fact is, I live in Florida, so it's the obvious place to file it, and we'll see what happens on that. But we should be successful. Mr. President, you just referred to the 2020 election. I want to refer you to an article in The Federalist over the weekend, and it says new evidence indicates enough illegal votes in Georgia to tip the 2020 results. This is from The Federalist. I want to get your thoughts on what's taking place right now in Arizona and in Georgia with regard to that as you continue to post and discuss election 2020. That's right. Well, The Federalist, uh, they have 35,000 votes. And that's far more, numerous times more than we need to win that state. But there are many other things in Georgia. That Georgia was so corrupt. It was so incredibly corrupt. Uh, frankly, nobody's seen anything like it. And you have a secretary of state. You have a, a governor that does nothing about it. And they have to get on the ball. But 35,000 votes, was, and this is just one category. If you look at what's going on in Arizona, Arizona has been incredible. The state senators in Arizona have taken it to heart. They're doing an audit, a forensic audit, like you haven't seen really in this country. They're going to be announcing the results. That's done by them. It's not done by me. These are great patriots. They're going to be announcing the results of that audit, Maria, 
I hear over the next two or three weeks. And, you know, I would imagine it would be horrendous. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be wonderful. But we're going to see. It's a very big deal. And this is, again, done by the Senate, the state Senate of a state that looked and they watched and they saw, wow, we're being scammed. Uh, take a look at Pennsylvania. They're now starting an audit. So many areas uh, in New Hampshire, they found horrible things in New Hampshire with respect to the voting. And we're talking about all determinative. The word is determinative. In other words, things that would overturn. I'm not saying if you lost by 10,000 votes and you found three votes of dead people, as an example. No, I'm talking about many times the 10,000 votes necessary. We won this election in a landslide. We got 12 million more votes, Maria. Yeah. 12 million more than I got the last yeah. time. The last time I won, this was a rigged election, and the people aren't standing for it. So we will Mr. go forward, and let's see what happens. Mr. President, you know that the Supreme Court would not take any of this up, and today we are facing a situation where you're not even allowed to discuss any of this. You get attacked on social media if you raise any irregularities. I want to get your take on where we go from here, because there are 14 states that have come up with new voting laws. Do you think that the current laws on the books and these new laws will ensure a fair and free election in 2022 and 2024? That's right. States like Texas and others have uh, taken it to heart. They saw what happened. They saw the travesty of the election. They know what happened. They were very strong during the election, and we won Texas very easily. But they know exactly what happened, and they've drawn up new laws. Many states, I think that you have, I think it's going to be 41 states are looking at it very strongly because they saw the travesty of the 2020 election. And we can't have that, where a large percentage of our population and 78% of the Republican Party thinks the election was rigged and stolen. We can't have that as a country. We were known for great elections, for honest elections. These elections were so corrupt with the mail-in ballots and by the thousands of people getting three, four, and five mail-in ballots. Just like in New York. Look what happened in New York. And look what happened previously in New York with a congressional race. They never had any idea who won that race. So this was a, a terrible blot on our country and our country's history and our country as a you know, free and fair place. This, you can't allow this to happen. We were very disappointed by the Supreme Court because they didn't have the courage to take it up. They didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Too controversial. They didn't right. want anything. The Supreme Court didn't have the courage to take it up, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Mr. President, let me move on. The uh, fencing around the Capitol is beginning to come down uh, this week. Uh, and this weekend, and I know that you have had some time to reflect on what took place on that day, January 6th. Talk to us about what you're thinking about as you reflect. What happened that day from your standpoint? So there was a big rally called, and actually when I say big, who knew? But there was a, a rally called and a tremendous number of people, the largest one I've ever spoken before was called by people, by patriots. And they asked me if I'd speak, and I did. And it was a very mild-mannered speech, as I think has been. In fact, they just came out with a report in Congress, and they didn't mention my name, literally. But what they were complaining about, and the reason, in my opinion, you had over a million people there, which the press doesn't like to report at all, because it shows too much, uh, too much activity, 
too much too much uh, spirit and faith and love. There was such love at that rally. You had over a million people there. They were there for one reason, the rigged election. They felt the election was rigged. That's why they were there. And they were peaceful people. These were great people. The crowd was unbelievable. And I mentioned the word love, the love, the love in the air. I've never seen anything like it. And you know, that's why yep. they went to Washington. And by the way, I can tell you that I thought, because I was hearing from a lot of people, there going to be a lot of people coming there, much bigger than anybody ever anticipated by many times. And I had suggested to the Secretary of Defense, perhaps we should have 10,000 National Guardsmen standing by. And he reported that, as you know. Uh, but I, we should have. And he was turned down. I said, it's subject to Congress. You know, they run it. Nancy Pelosi runs it. So it would be subject to the Capitol Police and the other things, whatever they need. But I said, perhaps you need 10,000, because I think the crowd is going to be very large. Who knows? Maybe two people will show up. But I think it's going to be very large. Anyway, he had that. He went to them. They said it won't be necessary. They were the ones that were responsible. They were the ones that this came out very loudly in the report. Yeah, that report showed FBI operatives uh, potentially uh, aware, but there are unanswered questions here. What did the FBI know? Why weren't your cabinet secretaries briefed? What did Speaker Pelosi know? Chuck Schumer McConnell, do you have any answers to that? They continue to call this oh, an armed insurrection, and yet no guns were seized, Mr. President. Right. There were no guns whatsoever. And yet Antifa, which went into Portland and went into so many other places, Seattle, they took over a big part of Seattle. People died. And there were plenty of guns there, by the way. And in Minnesota and Minneapolis, they got, there was no repercussions for them. And yet they have people still in jail. There were no guns. There were no guns. And by the way, while you're at it, who shot Ashley Babbitt? Why are they keeping that secret? Who was the person that shot an, an innocent, wonderful, incredible woman, a military woman, right in the head, and there's no repercussions? If that were on the other side, it would be the biggest story in this country. Who shot Ashley Babbitt? People want to know, and why? Well... That's right. And I want to talk about that because Ashley Babbitt, a wonderful woman, fatally shot on January 6th as she tried to climb out of a broken window. Um, her family has spoken out. Her family has been on Tucker Carlson and they want answers as far as why this wonderful woman, young woman who went to peaceful protest was shot. Do you have any information? There is speculation that this was a security detail in a leading member of Congress's uh, security detail, a Democrat. What can you tell us in terms of who shot Ashley Babbitt? What do you know, Mr. President? So, so I've heard that. I will tell you they know who shot Ashley Babbitt. They're protecting that person. I've heard also that it was the head of security for a certain high official, a Democrat, and we'll see, because it's going to come out. It's going to come out. What happened to Ashley Babbitt and what's happening currently to people that are incarcerated. And, you know, it would be one thing if you did that. But why isn't BLM, the death and the destruction that they've caused in Manhattan, in New York, in Chicago, if you 
take a look at the kind in L.A. and look at Minnesota. Look what they did in Seattle. They're not paying a price. In New York, they released 400 people who practically burned down Fifth Avenue and burned down our stores and killed people. And they were all released. They were released. Don't worry about it. We, you just leave. It was just announced. And yet you have people with no guns that walk down. And frankly, the doors were open and the police in many cases, you know, they have they have hundreds of hours of tape and they're not releasing the tape. They ought to release the tape to see what really happened. But there was also a love fest between the police, the Capitol Police and the people that walked down to the Capitol. So I think it's going to all come out. But you have to find out and you can do it perhaps better than most. And I think I know the answer. But who shot? Ashley Babbitt, and why are they holding that information back? And they have to release the Ashley. people that are incarcerated. They won't do it to the it, other side. Abs- yeah, it's absolutely quite extraordinary. I want you to know that my team reached out to Senator Chuck Schumer's office uh, to check on what he may know about who shot Ashley Babbitt. We have not heard back right. from Chuck Schumer's office. We did send a why. note and call. Yeah, what do you think? You know well, who it is, Mr. President? I wonder why. You know, they, they talk big and they're uh, real law and order people when it comes to a certain group. But with another group, they can do whatever they want. Hey, I was in Washington and I saw what happened. And the repercussions to these people was like the people that did damage in these various Democrat-run, in all cases, Democrat-run cities, there was no repercussion whatsoever. There was nothing. Nothing happened to them. And yet they have people who walk with no guns, with no nothing. They're currently incarcerated. And there's large numbers of them. And it's not right. And they're military people and they're police officers and they're construction workers. And they're yep. tremendous, in many cases, tremendous people. Tremendous people. Now, we have to find out. Why is there a double standard? Why is Antifa vicious killers? Why is Antifa and BLM, which is a scam of the system, why are they set free all the time? Never even arrested. Never even arrested. Mm. Why is it? Well, Mr. President, on that day, January 6th, you did speak with Kevin McCarthy. Let me just point out that Nancy Pelosi is going forth with a commission to investigate all of this. It may very well be that Kevin McCarthy is called to testify under oath. Do you want to tell us what took place on that phone call? No, I don't have to because Kevin will speak and I'm sure Kevin will be uh you know, very good from that standpoint. But I will tell you this. Okay. Uh, if they're going to do this, you know, very partisan investigation because they couldn't get the support to do a straight investigation, a big part of that investigation is the reason that people went to Washington, and that's because of the fraudulent presidential election of 2020. And that has to be a part of it. And everybody that yeah. got there, I think, on the one side, Those people want to talk about the reason they were there, because to me, that's the biggest crime of all. We had a corrupt election. We had a rigged election. We had a stolen election. And that's why you had over a million people march to Washington. Yeah. 
Mr. President, we are watching on the side of the screen the Virgin Galactic uh, launch about to take place. This is the first crewed space flight. I want to point out that in 2019, you created the first Space Force. Uh, this was uh, pretty extraordinary when you first announced it. You were mocked, of course, by the mainstream media. Uh, what do you say as you watch this historic moment with Richard Branson going into space? You said at the time, space is the world's newest war-fighting domain when you created uh, that U.S. Armed Services unit, a sixth branch of the U.S. Armed Services, uh, and the first new military service since the Air Force was created in 1947, sir. So we're very proud of that. It was uh, close to 75 years. It was the Air Force. And now uh, we did Space Force, which is going to be so vital. And we not only did it, I mean, it's up and running and really great. And as you know, Biden wanted to cancel it. And he was hit so hard that he said, well, we won't cancel it because this is what we need. Russia has it and China has it. And they were way advanced over us. And I got it started. The other thing I did is I opened up NASA again. That was closed. There was grass growing in the cracks of the runway. They were all broken up runways. There was grass growing through those cracks. And now it's a vibrant, incredible place, which it has to be if we're going to go forward. So I'm very proud of NASA and I'm very, because that was a closed, dead deal. And I'm very, very proud of the Space Force. Well, you should be. It's pretty incredible that now you've got Richard Branson going up to space, trying to beat the other billionaire who wants to get there first, and that's Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos stepping down as CEO of Amazon uh, recently to focus on these things. Your thoughts on why this is so important to some of these big billionaires who, of course, have their hands in every other business. Amazon is everything from cloud computing to delivery uh, to, uh, to of course, uh, Bezos also owning the Washington Post. So I just say better them than me. Uh, I would rather see Richard in the plane today than uh, me in the spaceship. But if Richard loves it and uh, Bezos loves it, and a lot of a lot of rich guys love space. Okay, you'll explain that someday. But they do love space. <laughs> love sending rocket ships up, and I made it possible for them to do this. I actually said to my people, let private, let the private sector do it. These guys want to come in with billions of dollars. Let's lease them facilities because, you know, you need certain facilities to send up rockets. And we have those facilities. We have the greatest. And I reopened them because they were, as I told you, they were dead. They were closed or essentially closed for the most part. So I said, hey, look, if Elon wants to send up a rocket, let him do it. We'll charge him some rent. Let him do it. Let these guys do it. And we're seeing advancement now that I don't believe we would have ever seen had we done it the way, the old fashioned way, which we're also using. You know, we're planning on Mars to go to Mars. You land on the moon and then you have your pad going to Mars. And, you know, all of that's being worked on. And it's very exciting. And a lot of good things are happening. But we also need it for military and for military protection. So we're doing it for that. I mean, to me, that might be number one because. When you look at what China's doing, when you look at what Russia's doing, and now because of what I did, we are leading the pack in space by far. We sure are, and the blast off has happened. Richard Branson now up in the air in his first trip. 
into space, an incredible accomplishment. We are watching this closely, and we, of course, will be reporting on this all day. Mr. President, let me turn now to that double standard that you mentioned a moment ago. Of course, we are watching the news from the Trump Organization and your CFO indicted. Of course, we also see the element around Hunter Biden doing this new business on selling art, and we're not allowed to know who is buying that art? We don't know if it's a Chinese company tied to the Chinese Communist Party, if it's a Ukrainian company after he was on the board. And yet your family is under pressure. There are stories this weekend that given the indictment of the CFO, perhaps your children are also being fingered. What can you tell us about the current state of affairs, sir? I think it's a shame. I think it's a horrible thing that's happening in our country. I've been under investigation since the day I came down the escalator uh, between Russia, Russia and Mueller and all of these different things. I've been under heavy and they failed totally. No collusion. There was never any collusion. There was never any conversation. Uh, the collusion was, frankly, between the Democrats and Russia. And uh, frankly, it's too bad when you look at what happens. They use they've weaponized this. They've weaponized so many different things. They've weaponized the IRS. They've weaponized things against Republicans, and Republicans haven't done it to them. And what it leads to is it'll be a big attack the other way also, I guess. You know, look, how much can Republicans stand what they are doing, where Hunter Biden gets a billion and a half from China to manage. He gets all of this money from Ukraine, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to sit on an energy board. He never had anything to do with energy. He, he knows nothing. The great one is three and a half billion dollars from Russia, from the uh, wife of the mayor of Moscow. What was that? I mentioned that in debate. Your friend, uh, your friend Chris Wallace would not let me ask that question. He said that's irrelevant. Well, it's not irrelevant. But the beauty of them all is he's going to get a half a million dollars of painting. And he never painted before. He's not an artist. He's never painted. This is just a payoff. And already they're trying to say, well, isn't it lovely? He's a painter. There is such a difference, such an incredible difference. You know, I was president. I took no salary. Uh, it cost me a lot of money being president. I always knew it would. But all of the things that they've done, and the whole deal is very simple. I got 75 million votes, the most of any sitting president. Polls today show me way ahead of everybody, not only Republicans, against yes. any Democrat. They want to do anything they can to stop that. These are dirty players, and it shouldn't happen. It's a disgrace. All right, so the question is, will you make the run again? You said that you know your answer, but you're not revealing it yet. You ready to get back in that ring and run for president again, sir? Well, I do know my answer, but I can't reveal it yet, and uh, because that has to do with campaign financing and everything else. You know that. So I can't reveal it yet, but I absolutely know my answer. And we're going to do very well. Uh, and people are going to be very happy. Uh, and uh, look, you know, I look at cable ratings. I look at the ratings of CNN. They're down 79%. MSDNC is yes. down 64%. I mean, what's going on? Yeah. I think they're going to come out All and right. endorse me. They'll, they'll endorse Donald Trump pretty soon, I think. <laughs> Mr. President, it's good to catch up with you this morning, sir. Thanks very much. Thank you, Maria. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay. It's, hey, we're done with you, girl. <laughs> Let's get this man off the screen. I don't know who that is. Okay. So, all right. That was a good one. That Police was, I, 
thoroughly enjoyed that interview with President Trump. Uh, of course, I'm addressing more of the issues that are going on hand. And then uh, um, I thought it was a pretty interesting tidbit about that whole space race thing that they got going on. But there you have it. That was from uh, Maria Bartiromo this uh, past Sunday, Sunday morning futures in regards to... Um, in regards to uh, um, uh, his presidency, his run for campaign, and also the other shenanigans that these people have been playing. And so like I said, it was even recapped in his statements today uh, about his popularity and the likes and all that's going on. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Let's go ahead and move on with a bit more news uh, before we get underway. A bit more Trump news for you all, ladies and gentlemen, before we get underway with... Um, before we get underway with uh, 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 the next um, uh, interview with President Trump, the next one won't be as long. It's about, well, you know, well, I guess, uh, well, yeah, well, whenever I'd seen it, uh, they they had done an interesting cut on the interview uh, because they didn't air the full interview. Obviously, I think it's because uh, some of the things that uh, questions this man was asking of President Trump was kind of like, you're kind of like uh, going below the belt, but uh, at the same time, you know, um, you know, you're trying to come off like you're not. So anyways. All right. So before we hop into that, uh, let's get this woman's face on the screen. You guys may recognize her. You may not. Uh, that is uh, Rana McDaniel. So she's recently come into the news uh, regarding her. And well, I wouldn't say her involvement, but her actions uh, towards uh, Jenna Ellis um, uh, over uh, in Washington, D.C. and what's going on. So basically, she is blocked. Um, she is blocked. Now, this is, of course, R Ronna McDonald's is the GOP chair, but uh, she is blocked uh, one of Trump's lawyers, Jenna Ellis, on Twitter. So that kind of was breaking news uh, because what we're starting to see here is uh, this uh, cycle of swamp creatures coming out of the GOP. Now, like we've said before, uh, you know, President Trump and his administration were cleaning out the swamp. Um, and it, it takes, I guess, a little bit of time, effort and patience or maybe just time for these people to start to really come out and show themselves. Now, in regards to Ronna McDaniels, like I never really had too much of opinion about her to start. But then when I found out that she was actually the niece of Mittens Romney, I was like, okay, there are some names in life and in politics you just never trust, regardless of who they are, right? Uh, Clinton's, Bush's, the Mittens, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I would imagine that anyone from the ilk of Mittens Romney probably would have a big question mark over their uh, loyalties to the country, uh, let alone their loyalties to any particular administration, um, other than probably just trying to run within their own party, uh, their own kind of show. So it's kind of a, that's kind of where my opinion on Rona, uh, Rana had started to kind of change. Uh, well, I mean, because actually I really had no opinion about her to begin with until I found that about her admittance. And then, of course, there was the incident where uh, she was very regretful to The New York Times in regards to um, having uh, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell making remarks and claims about voter fraud. Now, uh, considering that she was kind of rather vocal in the Georgia um, uh, runoffs there in 2020, uh, I was, you know, it's kind of like, well, why would she be regretful about questioning voter fraud uh, when they already know all of these shenanigans are going on? I'm sure she knew something that was going on, of course. Uh, there's also um, her um, involvement with uh, hiring a company 
that had uh, ties to Mittens Romney, Uncle Mittens, as well as uh, people who worked for Joe Biden's former um, White House um, um, IT team or tech team. Uh, so, uh, you know, she's keeping it in the family and she's also hiring questionable people uh, to be the head of GOP cybersecurity. So you never know with these people, but in due time, they all do tend to come out and show their true colors. Uh, but the whole the whole um, scandal, I guess you could say, in regards to what was going on between Ronna McDaniels and um, um, and also um, um, uh, Jenna Ellis uh, had to do with a note that had been uh, written by um, a man by the name of Reimer, Justin Reimer. Now, he was the, uh, one of the uh, head GOP officials of the Republican National Committee. Now, of course, we already know that Trump has sent a cease and desist over to the RNC in regards to them using his name and likeness to fundraise for themselves. Uh, but here you have uh, this Justin Reimer basically uh, basically putting a stand down order on uh, the RNC, the Republican Party, the GNC, the GNC, the GOP in regards to um, whether or not they're going to fight for President Trump in this election fraud now because that's the other thing that has come up and that's the thing that i think most people who are who are trump supporters um have noted or been vocal about in regards to uh trump's own political party and that was the fact that they basically were nowhere to be seen when it came to fighting for and defending <clears throat> president trump in the wake of this election fraud the 2020 presidential coup and also um, in in any type of effort to um, to take legal action uh, to give legal support or counsel to assist those who are already fighting for President Trump, such as Rudy Giuliani and also Sidney Powell. So um, uh, all I could say is uh, this: Ronna McDaniel's definitely has uh, shown herself to be the swamp creature that she is. Now it's much tougher. When you're talking about uh, within their own political party, because obviously if you're talking about the Democrats or the progressives, the communists, the Marxists or any of those clowns, uh, you know, you know where they stand, at least. But in regards to someone like she, I mean, just knowing that she is Mittens Romney's niece, I mean, just knowing that uh, it spells um, a bad spells a bad story on her part, if you ask me, because uh, like I said, they all run together, uh, you know, regardless of where they are, who they are, if they're from certain family lines, I just don't trust them. But again, you know, I guess it takes time for these people to show you who they are. Now, in this case, I guess she might have done that by default by uh, blocking Jenna Ellis on her Twitter. And like I said, that had to do with a note that had come from this Justin Reimer in which, uh, like I said, he had uh, told his RNC colleagues um, he had, he was wondering why anyone was even backing up President Trump on his unfounded claims of election fraud. And then also he expressed that the organization had raised more cash battling Democrats than challenging election results. So they obviously knew where their priorities were, and it was not with the American people. Was not with defending the Constitution for what was right in the eyes of the law as well. So that was something to be noted. Now it was the Gateway pundit who actually had spoken with uh, a, an, 
an insider for uh, President Trump's, I guess we'll just call it President Trump's team. I don't know if we would necessarily call it his administration. Uh, but in uh, that, uh, I guess in that uh, bit of a back and forth between uh, the news source as well as the insider for Trump, uh, the insider had stated Ron McDaniels promised that RNC chief counsel uh, Justin Reimer would be gone by morning after his email made rounds with the Trump campaign team. Then the guy went completely dark for three or four months, but then he reappeared with the RNC. So um, so those are the details. That is exactly what happened. Uh, he said, the bottom line was Ronna McDaniels and everyone in the RNC did not want us to fight for the president. They did not want to do it. That is exactly what they are not. That's exactly why they are, were not supporting Rudy. They collected $220 million for legal fees, but no one knows where that went because they didn't spend it on lawyers. That's for damn sure. And that's what he said. Um, he said there are reports out there that the RNC and the campaign between them collected between 220 and 240 million dollars. The one thing that is clear is that Ronald McDaniels and her minions did not want anybody to fight for the president. And uh, the insider goes on to relay, um, um, I guess, a story about how uh, they had gone back into the RNC headquarters by the 5th of November. And when they went in there, it was basically a ghost town. There was like only one person present in the building, I guess, a staff member. And he was like, well, where the heck is everybody? And uh, he, well, they were not present. They were not there. And so that was speaking loud and clearly. So Ronald McDaniel's got to go. Basically, so um, it said, uh, and so, and again, again, like I said, this boils down to uh, all of this coming out between Jenna Ellis and Ronna McDaniels, and of course, Jenna fighting back, uh, firing back about uh, how Ronna is basically, uh, you know, afraid to admit these lies. They don't want to face their own truths. Okay, so Mittens Romney, his niece, seems to be getting into a little bit of hot water here. And I'm sure that more will develop in this story as the week goes along. Uh, and, you know, if it's uh, if it's worth mentioning, then we will most definitely bring that to y'all's attention. But, you know, again, like I said, uh, this tr these truths coming out, they're making it self-evident for themselves and for others. Uh, but all you had to tell me was that that was Mitten Romney's niece, Mitten's Romney's niece. And, uh, yeah, right away I would have been like, yeah, I don't trust this fool. But of course, she's got some other, uh, she's got herself entangled into other things as well, too. So that's just some quick news on Ronna McDaniels. Now what we got, oh, that's the RNC. Yep, we're not going to talk, we already talked about them. Okay, let's get to these two cats right here. Now this here, okay, so this is another story in regards to how President Trump's endorsement can really uh, lend a hand to America First candidates and really strike a blow against those who oppose, nay, those who backstab, those who do not stand with the American people or for the Constitution. Uh, now, pictured here, uh, we have one Lisa Murkowski, that would be this uh, viper snake woman right here, you know. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, Kelly Shibaka. I think I'm pronouncing that right, that name right. Now, uh, Kelly Shibaka will be running against uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski, the one who headbutted with uh, was a Diane Feinstein, uh, where she was put up against the wall. Now, you can tell that Lisa has not aged well. You know, and I hear up in Alaska, they only get so many hours of sun during certain seasons. So I don't know where all this uh, this sun damage came from on her face. Look. 
Okay. Anyways, so uh, sorry, guys. Didn't mean to scare you like that. But um, but interesting enough, uh, President Trump has taken hard blows, and you guys know we've covered his statements here. We've we've uh, uh, read his interviews and listened to them, uh, where he's taking hard blows against Lisa Murkowski, and he's even said that he will fully support any opponent who runs against him. He's already given an endorsement. Uh, I don't remember if it was at an official capacity where he was saying that he will back um, he will back uh, Kelly. Shibaka. Um, and indeed, the next blow to come to Lisa Murkowski, again, showing the value of a President Trump endorsement, uh, the next blow to come to her is that the Alaskan Republican Party has also abandoned ship on Lisa Murkowski, and they are also backing up uh, Kelly Shibaka as well um, in the 2022 Senate race in Alaska. Um, let's see here. We had a statement uh, from Shibaka that said, I'm honored to be endorsed by the Alaska Republican Party um, in the Senate. I will always fight for conservative values. So, again, we're looking at some pretty hard times for Lisa Murkowski because uh, basically everyone has left her camp. Um, and, uh, well, she did it to herself, ladies and gentlemen, she did it to herself. And that's just kind of, uh, the bed that she is going to have to lie in now. And like I said, she aged pretty quickly over the last few years. So with that said, let me see what I got next up here. Uh, just a real quick, I don't think I have a photo for, oh, I do. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is the man who's been the topic of the hour. It seems like for the last couple of weeks, when we're talking about Bill Barr, there's been a lot of can kicking around when it comes to this man uh, and uh, uh, exactly who he was and what he stood for and what he did and did not do uh, while he was AG under President Trump. Um, well, okay. So if you guys do recall the, um, uh, if you guys do recall the, uh, the uh, speech that President Trump gave um, at CPAC, uh, most definitely he did not have many, um, uh, many nice things uh, to say or positive things to say about this man, Bill Barr, um, and basically disclosed more information in regards to the role that this man played. Now, I know a lot of people out there believe that it can be a state of optics. I know a lot of people out there uh, would assume that maybe uh, this is just uh, um, a play that they're doing. Uh, and again, you know, I'm not going to say yay or nay to that. All I can say is regardless of what this man says or does now, it does not make a difference like it could have when he was actually AG. So if he reneges on any of his statements and says, whoops, there was election fraud, it does not do America or President Trump a lick of good because he's no longer AG. It's not like they can retroactively take back his statements on voter election fraud. It's not like they can retroactively make that mean something. It would have meant something when he was actually the AG serving under President Trump and he could have actually done something about it. Now, uh, in the new revelation that came out during CPAC, President Trump did reveal that AG Barr had actually informed a United States attorney from the state of Pennsylvania that he was not to he was not to act on an investigation into voter fraud. So he sent a note. Now, of course, we don't have a copy of that note and uh, or that statement. And I don't think it's been released. But President Trump did say he received such a statement. And anyone interested in seeing that statement would need to contact that Pennsylvania um, a U.S. attorney 
who had um, basically, I guess, blown the whistle on what Bill Barr had instructed him to do. So Bill Barr essentially not allowing the U.S. attorney to do his job and, uh, you know, um, just effectively uh, neuter him, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better word. So, yeah, so there you go in that regard. So there's an, there's there's another strike out against Bill Barr for those of you who might still be on the fence about uh, Billiam Barr, the B2 booby bomber. We don't like him here at the C Report, uh, but, you know, he he was a very promising AG, to say the least. He was very promising, and everyone had good hopes and high hopes for him. But it currently appears that this man, I mean, President Trump says he was afraid of being what? Impeached? I mean, that could very well be the case. We don't know. He, he might have wanted to turn over a new leaf or something like that. But uh, indeed, if this man were innocent... And I don't think that um, I don't believe that uh, the Democrats had any real ammunition that would have uh, caused him to be impeached and removed. I don't see why this man would indeed have um, decided to uh, betray President Trump unless there was a deeper reason out there. And I don't know, maybe that's a reason that will eventually come to light, but it is not available for us to see at this time. If there's any further developments in that regard, ladies and gentlemen, we will most definitely see. We will most definitely see. All right. And uh, that wrap. Whoa, he got big there. OK, so that wraps up uh, President Trump news. Now, we do have one final interview for you guys. So let me go ahead and talk with you guys a little bit about this before we get into it. Uh, now, this interview, would you come on and expand? OK, hold on. All right. No, oh, it doesn't seem to want to. We'll get it to expand in a minute. Okay. So, uh, you know, I want it to expand Clear now. That you're back on the campaign trail. Uh, you're headlining an event today at CPAC. Ooh, rats. Okay. Oh, well, we're going to play it either way. So, okay. So, let's go ahead. Let me see if I can do this real quick. Uh, so, okay. So, this interview. When I first came across it, Very clear. There we go. That's better. Back Thank you. Okay, so this interview when I first came across it. Um, now this is Lawrence Jones of Fox Nation holding this interview with President Trump at CPAC. Um, um, uh, they had it segmented on, uh, I think it was Fox and Friends or something like that. And uh, so uh, the interviews cut. Um, on the Fox and Friends version of it. Uh, it starts off with the hello, and then it gets into like basically the violence that's going on around the country. Uh, so they totally took out any of the uh, part of this interview that had to do with election fraud um, and other things. Uh, um, this Lawrence guy, this uh, Lawrence Jones, states that it was a jovial conversation. Uh, but I think as uh, you guys will see, it was not exactly that. And again, you have Fox uh, putting up these uh, these uh, uh, advisory uh, plates regarding President Trump's speech on election fraud. And then you have them cutting out a lot of information from this type of interview. Now, it's 15 minutes here. I think the one that they put on Fox and Friends ran about maybe eight minutes. So we'll get to see the entire interview minus the good evening, Mr. President. Thank you for joining us because they cut that out in this interview. But uh, here we go, guys. Just a real quick one again from CPAC this past Sunday, uh, President Trump speaking with Fox Nation. Very clear that you're back on the campaign trail. 
Uh, you're headlining an event today at CPAC. You're giving interviews again. Rallies are back on. So I think it's safe to say that you're running again for re-election. So what's the agenda? Well, I'm glad you said that, Lawrence. That's very nice. I appreciate it. You know, we have uh, had a tremendous reception, and people have asked for the rallies. They've asked that I come to CPAC. Um, I've been at CPAC numerous times. We've done well here. And the crowd is fantastic today. The enthusiasm is incredible. They feel that we got uh, rigged on an election. There was a rigged election. And they feel, and I think what it's done is it's really inspired people because we can't let it happen again. And they want to get to the bottom of what happened in 2020. And so do I. And we're very close to doing that. So what do you mean when you say um, they want to get to the bottom of. I think it's fair to say that the media treated you unfairly. I think it's fair to say that there were some irregularities. I think it's fair to say that you weren't treated, you know, so well. But when you have your judges that go out there and they say yeah. they didn't, was it Rudy's fault for not making that case you know, to the court? No, it wasn't really. They made the case, but the judges didn't want to hear it because they didn't want to make a decision. Now, we have cases right now, as an example, in Georgia that's going along unbelievably well, that's very big, and uh, they're willing to listen to the evidence. They didn't listen to evidence. They just ruled. In many cases, we had Democrat judges. We were very disappointed. We, have almost, we had almost 20 states go in to the United States Supreme Court, and they didn't want to hear it. The United States Supreme Court didn't want to hear it. On Those were judges that you appointed, too. And some that I appointed and some that I didn't appoint. And we have some that are very good and we have some that aren't good at all. But uh, what's happened, look, the other night in Georgia, they found 35,000 votes. Uh, also in Georgia, 101,000 votes that should have been deleted, that should have been knocked out. I said, why didn't you do it before the election instead of after the election? Votes that should not have been there on the voter rolls. And it was a very close election. Uh, what's going on? Take a look at what's happening in Arizona. Look at what's happening in New Hampshire. Look at what's happening in Pennsylvania, all over the country. So we'll see what happens. Well, but Mr. President, is it fair to say that it's time to move on? Because there's a new election coming up. you got a midterms coming up, 2024. What's the agenda for 2024? Because that's what your people want to hear. Right. No, well, I think they want to hear both. You have to move on, and nobody looks more to the future than I do. But people don't want the same thing happening as happened in 2020, where you win an election and even win it by a landslide, and they take it away, they, they rob it. They don't want that happening. And, you know, a lot of people say, let's move on to the future. But a lot of the smart people say, no, you have to find out what happened, because we don't want Can it to happen again. Can you do both at the same time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, what, so what's going to be your agenda? Well, my agenda, my agenda is all of the things that I did. We had the greatest country, the greatest economy. We had a border that was the best in the history of our country. We had an incredible deal with Mexico and with uh, various other countries, as you know. We had Honduras and Guatemala, El Salvador. They were all taking back the prisoners that they were sending us. They used to send us people from their jails. Now they're doing it again. They're emptying their jails into our country. We had the strongest border we've ever had. We had the best economy we've ever had. We had the most people employed in the history of our country. This was just before the Chinese plague came in. The China plague came in, and we had to start all over again. And we did it all again. The stock market when I left was higher than it was even at the height of the great economy. But when you think of it, we had 160 million people working. We rebuilt our military. We did... Uh, Space Force, so many things. Space Force, right to try, where you can try 
medical things that you would have had to wait five or six years for. Remember this, uh, the vaccine was going to take three to five years to come up with. I got it done in less than nine months. We saved the world. It's a miracle. So, Ms. Perry, I want to slow you down for a second because this audience is I, I have many other I know that you got, we're going we're to take it step right. by step. So let's start with crime, right? This, these are the numbers right now. 2020, this is from the FBI. Uh, murders are up 24%, uh, almost 25%. What would you do to address the skyrocketing crime that's going on? Many of these crimes are happening in local communities. So what is the agenda on that issue specifically? So as I've heard you say, all Democrat states, all, if you look at, uh, as an example, Chicago, Illinois is very bad. Chicago, take a look at the numbers. It's, they had 260 people shot on 4th of July weekend. New York, through the roof, no more cash bail, no more anything. All they do is go after Republicans. Uh, take a look at Los Angeles, what, what's going on in Los Angeles with the crime, and Oakland and Baltimore. What you have to do is you have to give the police back their authority. Now, some people say, oh, that's a terrible thing. What's terrible is in Chicago, you have 200, think of it, 260 people were shot last, 260 people. In Afghanistan, you don't have 260 people shot. In fact, by the way, in the last year in Afghanistan, we didn't lose one soldier. And I started the move out and I don't like what's happening the way Biden's doing it either. And we'll, I'd love to talk to you about it because it's not good. But uh, we didn't have a person shot. We didn't have one soldier killed in Afghanistan for over a year. And you have 260 with many dying in Chicago. And New York is through the roof. The crimes, the shooting, what's going on in New York. New York is totally out of control. You have to give the police back their authority. So, Mr. President, I want to dig deeper into You know, that. the police can stop this. They, they can't. They can't stop the this. The police but... are afraid they're going to lose everything if they go after somebody. They know it's because some bad acts were done, and because of those bad acts, they've destroyed these police forces. And it's been happening for years, even before defund the police. That's true. That's only made it worse. Yeah. So, Mr. President, you, you allude to what I talk about them being liberal cities. But I also follow up by saying, where are the Republicans taking those seats back? Why isn't there any Republicans in these local communities? They're begging for help. Is there an opportunity so there? They've been Democrat for 100 years. You look at New York, you look at Chicago, you look at some of these cities, they've been Democrat run and badly run for a hundred years. I mean, it's the way it is. The Republicans fight in Baltimore. We had a great young representative who was fantastic, African-American woman. She didn't make it, she didn't quite make it, but she's fantastic. It's almost like a habit. You put a Democrat in and I'll tell you what, what you, we did. You, we you did. won some Democrat states, Democrat cities. Because you went in there and did the work. Correct. So what did you, what were you able to do that they're not able to do? Well, we did very well, as you know, with the Hispanic and with the African-American vote records. We did records with, uh, with these votes. Uh, I was able to convince them that what they've been doing in the past was wrong. I got criminal justice reform approved. You know, that was a big thing, Lawrence. Nobody thought they could do it. Obama couldn't get it done. I'm not even sure he tried that hard, frankly, but he couldn't get it done. Nobody could get it done. We got criminal justice reform done. That broke the ice to a certain extent, and we were able to get tremendous votes. Also, the minority, every minority group, they want law and order. They want police. They don't want to be accosted. They don't want to be shot. And that's what's happening, and we can't let it happen. Can I ask a question? Because, you know, you know me, I keep it real. 
I was critical of some of the outreach methods that were used as part of the campaign. I thought you did a phenomenal job. Some of the outreach, there was some of the outreach advisors because I didn't think they were doing a, a good enough job. You know, you had a message always that you're a builder, right? Because you have done a better job communicating that message into the community. You had a lot of gains with the Latino community, a lot of gains with the black community. But did you think you missed the opportunity there? So I did much better than most with the African-American, and I did better than everybody with Hispanic. If you look at Texas as an example, the border towns, nobody's ever done since the Civil War, they could say Reconstruction, since the Civil War, nobody's done what I did with the border towns mostly Hispanic, 80% Hispanic. I mean, we did really well. Don't forget, I got 75 million votes. That's 12 million more than I got last time. And it's more than any other sitting president in history. And we did better with the African American community. Now, the numbers are still relatively low, but we did better. But I believe that we have to give back. And I think everybody's agreeing with me. We're not defunding the police. We have to give them back some authority to stop the crime. When you have hundreds of people being shot because they walked down it's the crazy. street, it's, crazy. it's not even believable. You have some really bad leaders in these cities. De Blasio is a disaster. The man is a disaster. Uh, the mayor of Chicago, it's, uh, it's a tough situation. Let me, get tough your, situation. let me get your comments on culture because there's a lot going yeah. on within the culture. And you were a culture warrior. You didn't mind taking it all. Yeah. A lot of things happen in the schools. We saw it uh, in the colleges. Right. Uh, we saw it on the university campuses, even some of those private schools. And now it's making it from the high schools to elementary school. What is the conservative response to this anti-American sentiment, not teaching all of history? What do you say to Well, that? it's the exact opposite. It's called 1776. It's the exact opposite. We love our flag. We love our country. We salute our country. I rebuilt the entire military. I rebuilt in a very short period of time. Our military was so depleted, so terrible. We rebuilt it in a short period of time. We love our country and we honor our flag and we honor our heroes. We honor George Washington. I mean, they're taking George Washington's name off of schools in San Francisco and different parts of the country. What is going on? It's crazy. Abraham Lincoln. They want to take his name off three schools on the West Coast. And I say, what are, what are these people thinking? It's almost become, in my opinion, a sickness. There's something wrong. You think it's out of control. Let's talk about the economy. Uh, it is fair to say the stock market is, is booming right now. Right. The economy is booming. But what I see when I talk to businesses on the street, they say that they're competing with government, that there's paychecks being out there, and they cannot keep up. They can't continue to increase their wages. So what is your message to the small businesses that are out there? Because they feel forgotten right now. So the stock market is doing well, but that's also habit a little bit. That can change very quickly because inflation is going to become terrible. When I left, it was $1.87 a gallon for gasoline. Now it's three fifty. And it's going to go much, much higher. We were energy independent. Within another month or so, at this rate, we will not be energy independent. We're going to need Russia, Saudi Arabia, the Middle East. We're going to need all of this. Uh, Lumber prices are through the roof. All the prices, meat prices, food prices. If you have inflation, we saw it during Jimmy Carter's reign. Jimmy Carter had inflation. Prime rate went to 22%. The economy crashed. They're going to have to be very careful. The economy is very fragile. You're going to have tremendous inflation 
And if you have inflation, only bad things can happen. Let's talk about national security a little bit. I saw the president. He was stumbling with his notes. Uh, he, he talked about that he had to be briefed a little bit more there. He, he didn't know what to say. You've been in front of these world leaders. What is the message that America is sending to those leaders? So I got along very well with the world leaders, but I was tough. Yeah. Look, I'm the They didn't one. like you sometimes. Well, they actually liked me, but they understood that I was doing the right thing for our country. As an example, Russia, I'm the one that... I, I stopped their pipeline and Biden let it go forward. You're talking about billions and billions of dollars. I got NATO, so it's 28 countries. I got NATO to pay $430 billion to the United States for protection, for protection. The United States was being ripped off like you can't imagine. We get ripped off on trade. We made great trade deals. We renegotiated NAFTA. Probably the worst trade deal ever made was NAFTA. We renegotiated NAFTA, USMCA. We got things done, and we were respected by other countries. As an example, if you take a look at Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, they wouldn't let us bring people back. They'd send MS-13 into our country, and they would send them. This, this wasn't just, they would send them. They didn't want them. They wouldn't let us bring them back. I said, we're going to stop payment to them. How much is it? $500 million a year. Stop payment. Within 24 hours, they accepted everybody back that we didn't want, and there were plenty of them. But they're not respecting us anymore. In Alaska, China talked to us. You know, they're lecturing us. Now China, Russia, these countries are lecturing us. This never happened with me. They, they shoot thousands of missiles at Israel. That never happened with me. That would never have happened with me. Mr. President, I got one more question go for you. This is my last question for you. I'm, I've been reading these polls. I know sometimes you go back and forth with the polling. But I found this one interesting. Uh, Gallup conducted a poll in September 2020. This is what the poll said. 56% of Americans said they were better off. But then they decided that they weren't going to vote for you in the past election. And when you look at the other poll, it said 49% felt like Biden was more presidential. So I got to ask you a question. Does anybody, when, does you, anybody really when, when you have 56% of Americans say they agree with you on election. the issues, right? Is there anything that you would have done differently? You ready? We had great polls. I had great polls. And that was an important poll. 56, it was one of the best polls the presidents had. I lost the election. But I didn't lose the election. The election was rigged. You don't have polls like that and lose the election. The election was rigged. And you see it, 35,000 votes here, 101,000 votes there. Look at what's happening in Arizona right now where the state, this is the state Senate is doing a forensic audit. I don't think there was anything that you could have done. Look, I think the American people like tough. They love it on the world stage. They love a fighter. They elected a fighter. But do you think there was moments where you could have adjusted a little bit and said, you know, I'm just going to bag off just a little bit. The election was rigged. I'm sorry. Uh, at 10 so o'clock in the why evening, can't Rudy make that you case were watching. It's not Rudy. Rudy's one it's of many, many people. Why can't he make well, actually, he court? did make the case very well to legislatures. And that's one of the things you see now. Uh, we had judges that didn't want to hear the case. A lot of Democrat judges, but they didn't want to hear the cases. The Supreme Court didn't want to hear the case. Your we justices. had almost 20 states that said the election's bad. Here it is. They didn't want to hear. The Supreme Court of the United States should be ashamed of themselves. The fact is, the election was rigged. You're right. People were happy. They were thrilled. They were working. They were doing great. I had 56% poll numbers that nobody's seen in a long time. 
I lost the election because the election was rigged. I'm sorry to say that. All right, we don't got to hear his goodbyes to the president. Could you guys not just slap that man? Could y'all not just slap that man? He should have just said, I'm going to keep it real. We all know that you lost the election and it was the most sound and secure 2020 election ever in the history of the United States. He may as well has just said that. Like, what game, what what team is this man playing for? This Lawrence Jones guy. I mean, I was I was seeing catching some of y'all's comments over in chat. Indeed, the composure of uh, someone like President Trump when dealing with individuals like that uh, who go in there as uh, one of those people are, oh, I'm conservative. Oh, I'm Republican. And then they try and uh, they try and uh, sideswipe you. Uh, with uh, with uh, oh, but uh, you know the most uh, conservative people don't believe in Trump. Like uh, yeah. Anyways, Lawrence, your uh, your smooth smooth game is not so smooth, my friend. It's not so smooth. Anyways, you could tell it's one of those people there that has ulterior questions or ulterior angles that they want to try and exploit whilst they're doing some kind of hit job. Um, look at the face of President Trump. He clearly does not appreciate you, Lawrence Jones. So get the message. That's probably going to be your last interview with President Trump. <laughs> so anyways, real quick, I just wanted to uh, thank, um, let's see here, Just V and Joy for Trump for the cans, as well as Don S. and Napkinator for the shades. I, I, I like that uh, comment Napkinator uh, mentioned there with his donation. It was, uh, it's rhino season take the tusk yes indeed ladies and gentlemen one two three skg also thank you for the can donation appreciate it and also would like to wish a warm and merry happy anniversary to pilled by the rabbit many more pilled by the rabbit happy anniversary uh from my house to yours and also from everyone in the chat as well and quick shout outs to some peeps uh, i've seen roll into the room blonde lady q rick roller Pam pamela roll David Sloan, Two Rivers, Christina Fontana, Gary Flessner, and Vic Giles. Welcome, welcome to the Sea Report, and welcome back if you are returning. Always good to have new friends and familiar faces joining us as we roll through some of today's news and highlights. Some of the highlights for a Monday afternoon, right? Okay, so let's see what we got next for you guys. Now we're going to get into a little bit of election now. This is just going to be, we're just going to kind of touch and go in some of this election news. We're almost at the end of the C report uh, for tonight. So just some quick updates, nothing too heavy, nothing too, too heavy. I say that, right? And then all of a sudden we start, but whoa, who's this woman here? I say that and then we start busting into some documents. We might have one or two before we close it up for tonight, guys. So let's talk real, real quick about Pennsylvania. I'm sure you guys have heard the buzz that's going on in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, now we have um, the Department of State, the State Department for oh, Pennsylvania State. Uh, basically, they've issued a directive to uh, county election boards and officials that would prohibit them from cooperating with any Senate uh, election audits taking place over there in the Keystone State. Now, keep in mind, guys, um, we have a uh, Senator uh, Doug Mastriano who's come up um, come up quite. Uh, handsomely uh, declaring that they will be conducting an audit 
Uh, he's already requested documentation information and plans from uh, three counties over in the state of Pennsylvania uh, that they are to respond to. I believe it was by, uh, if not July 21st, July 31st. Is there 31 days in July? Yes, there are. So uh, it's one of those two, 21 or 31, but they're requesting information now. The woman I have on screen for you now, that is the current secretary of the Commonwealth. Uh, but you know, here at the Sea Report, we like to call them Secretary of Snakes, because after all, most of them are, you know, in bed with who knows, it might be Soros money, it might be, it's some, it's some kind of dark money. Uh, but they got the National Association of Secretary of Snakes in their pocket. And she's definitely one of them. Now, this one, this one actually replaced, uh, who is it, a uh, uh, former Secretary of Snakes, Brooke Varr. Now, Brooke Farr, uh, she uh, she resigned and or stepped down, and she was actually the one who had sent out a directive of her own accord to the state of Pennsylvania election boards, giving them suggestions on how exactly they should uh, they should accept, inspect, and accept certain. Uh, absentee ballots, you know, they have to do that whole signature match thing when it goes into adjudication. She sent them like a little uh, guidebook on what kind of um, uh, signatures they should accept. We actually reviewed that here on the C Report, what, like back in March, I think. And uh, some of those were quite crazy, like, you know, it, it was like a book that compared different styles of, of uh, penmanship. And uh, man, some of her suggestions were pretty wacky, uh, not to mention that these would be adjudicated by uh, uh, someone who was not the voter. And it would be up to them to decide exactly whether or not it was legal or whether or not they had made the correct decisions on their ballot, should there be any kind of discrepancies. Uh, but this one here, this one here, this is a uh, secretary of snakes of the Commonwealth, Veronica de, Graf de Graffenreid is her name, Veronica de Graffenreid. Now, de Veronica de Graffenreid, she is the one who just sent out the directive to the county election boards, telling them basically not to cooperate with the Senate when it came to uh, handing over or giving plans or just being cooperative in regards to an election audit in their area. Yes, this is the one. This is she. She's the one who said it. Okay, so here we have uh, one. I told you we weren't going to do documents. Sorry, guys. I can't help it. Uh, now here's a document that we had here. Um, um, this was the actual directive. Directive concerning access to... Let me go ahead and expand that for you guys because I know it's... Yeah, we bring this out. Okay. A directive concerning access to electronic voting systems, including but not limited to the imaging of software and memory files, access to related internal components, and the consequences. Because there are consequences to county boards of allowing such access. So let's expand it one more time. Okay, and we'll go ahead and go down the line here. It's only a couple of pages, but I just highlighted what was necessary. It says right here, third-party access to electronic voting systems. Demands have been made to allow third-party entities not directly involved with the conduct of elections to have access to electronic voting systems, specifically to review and copy the internal, internal electronic software, mechanical, logic, and related components of such systems. These demands have included the desire to image electronic memory spaces, to download operating systems and software, and to copy information that is is internal and proprietary, such access by third parties undermines chain of custody requirements 
and strict access limitations necessary to prevent both intentional and inadvertent tampering with electronic voting systems. Yeah, I find this quite funny, right, that they even dare to use such a phrase as chain of custody when we know chain of custody has been one of the more problematic issues when it comes to this entire past 2020 election, truly where they dropped the ball. I guess, like I said uh, one time before, they're probably just expecting the American people to go back to sleep after, I don't know what, 30 days and not care about what happened in 2020. We've seen it time and again, guys, when we have a good contender stepping up to the plate or someone that we're really hoping for. And then, you know, the deep state wins, the globalists win, you know, whatever they win. And then people just kind of like, you know, nestle back into sleep. But that did not happen in 2020. No, people have been awake since 16. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, that was one of the things. And then again, also here, this whole uh, intentional and inadvertent tampering with electronic voting systems. Again, they're already using the same jargon. They're speaking the same language that we see coming out of Arizona in regards to unaccredited auditors meddling with um, election software and hardware. I also want to note, it also jeopardizes the security integrity of those systems and will negate the ability of electronic voting system vendors to affirmatively state that such systems continue to meet Commonwealth security demands. Now, in these two footnotes, these two notes right here, this is under the header limits on third party access to electronic voting systems. It says a counting board, a county board of elections shall not provide physical, electronic or internal access to third parties seeking to copy and or conduct an examination of state certified electronic voting systems or any components of such systems including but not limited to, to election mag management software and systems, tabulators, scanners, counters, automatic tabulating equipment, voting devices, servers, ballot marking devices, paper ballot or ballot card printers, portable memory media devices such as thumb drives, flash drives, and the like, and any other hardware, software, or devices being used as part of the election management system. I would say that those are probably the things that they need to subpoena since she basically put it on blast. Uh, section B says, if access described in paragraph three occurs, those pieces of voting equipment will be considered no longer secure or reliable to use in subsequent elections. Um, it says the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania will not reimburse any cost of replacement voting equipment for which certification or use authority has been withdrawn pursuant to this directive. And it says, notice. County Board of Elections shall notify the secretary immediately upon receipt of any written or verbal requests for third party access to an electronic voting system or any component thereof. County Boards of Elections and voting system vendors have an affirmative duty to notify the secretary immediately of any breach or attempted breach in the chain of custody of its voting system components. So they are, they are basically laying down the law. Now, obviously, this is going to be an overreach of their function because uh, after all, um, the, the state of Pennsylvania has their own voting, uh, voting um, laws, measures intact in place for a reason. And of course, as it is uh, coming out more and more uh, that uh, this conversation is being had, um, every state, indeed, every American has the right to ask for an audit in a fair, open and unbiased way. And I'm sure the same holds true 
for the Keystone State, the state of Pennsylvania. Now, Senator Doug Mastriano did come back with a response to this, of course, because he is the one who's initiated this entire, because we have not only, of course, the State Department um, and uh, Governor Wolf's administration coming down on it. He's, they're also getting fire from the Attorney General. So already all of the soldiers are lining up to oppose this uh, audit, which uh, Senator Doug Mastriano has uh, initiated as of last week. Uh, now, in his response, uh, this is what Mastriano had to say. He says, uh, Senate Doug Mastriano issued the following statement today in response to attempts by the Wolf administration and the attorney general to obstruct a forensic investigation. It says, on Friday, the acting secretary of state issued a veiled threat disguised as directive to all 67 counties in Pennsylvania. This threat implied that any county who participates in a forensic investigation and allows access of electronic voting systems to third party entities not directly involved in the conduct of elections will have their machines automatically decertified and retired before the next election. Even worse, the directive stated that counties would be forced to pay for a new voting system equipment and prevented from seeking reimbursement from the State Department. The General Assembly is in fact directly involved in the manner and conduct of elections across the Commonwealth as it is responsible for reforming and amending all election laws. Nowhere in the statute is the State uh, Secretary of State mandated to make a predictive finding automatically retire voting systems after third-party access and force counties to pay for that decision. The authority of such a directive from the acting secretary is also in question as she has yet to go before the Senate to be officially confirmed. The inclination of the acting secretary to act outside of the scope of her constitutional powers is deeply concerning and will certainly be considered during her confirmation process. The scare tactics last week did not just emanate from the acting secretary. Attorney General Shapiro has made numerous TV appearances and social media statements to threaten costly legal action and make baseless claims about how much an investigation would cost to taxpayers. Oopsies. Uh, let me get this back over here. There we go. It continues, perhaps the AG's time could be better spent on important law enforcement issues rather than nightly CNN, MSDNC appearances, childish name-calling and tweets of incessant, broad, yet empty platitudes. Here are some issues that could use the attention of the Attorney General. Hmm. Investigating sworn affidavits from the 2020 November election, protecting the personal data of Pennsylvania citizens by investigating the Wolf administration's contact tracing data breach, which exposed the personal health data of over 72,000 Pennsylvanians, coming up with an actual solution to stem the rising tide of violent crime in Pennsylvania cities and standing up to progressive district attorneys, investigating the deaths of 16,000 of our dearly loved elderly resulting from Wolf administration's directive to send COVID positive patients back into long-term care facilities. Ooh, that last one right there, guys. Now, don't forget, Wolf is among the five and or six, because Minnesota's governor was also thrown into that mix of uh, the, COVID, uh, um, the COVID nursing home death scandal, where these governators, uh, was it a Whitmer, uh, Nipple Rings Cuomo, um, and uh, um, was it uh, Murphy, and... Uh, 
this guy here, Wolf, and who, oh, and Newsom, and I don't recall the governor of Minnesota, but his name has been thrown in the hat as having a directive that sent COVID-positive patients or recovering COVID patients into uh, nursing homes and rehabilitation centers. So thank you for bringing that back up, Senator Mastriano, because I think that's something that people scarcely remembered and it needs to be brought back to the forefront. Now, the letter continues. In my letter to request information from several counties on July 7th, I clearly stated that the Intergovernmental Operations Committee would be open to any requests from county officials to maintain the security of responsive materials and the privacy of all voting information. What we are seeing is a convergence of scare tactics from the Wolf administration and the Attorney General to intimidate county officials and obstruct a forensic investigation. Governor Wolf and A.G. Shapiro are standing in the way of the constitutional authority of the General Assembly for people who once lectured the state about transparency and accountability. We all ask, what do they have to hide? The Intergovernmental Operations Committee will press forward in pursuit of a forensic investigation. Cheers to Governor Wolf. I mean, Governor Wolf, hello. I just read his name. Cheers to Doug, Senator Doug Mastriano. Oh, man, hang me high on that one, right? Cheers to Senator Doug Mastriano in that retort, that response uh, to what they are doing over at the State Department of the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and again, it seems like uh, we, we have a fighter here, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we may see a forensic audit occurring in Pennsylvania around the clock, most hopefully around the clock. So we'll see what happens, guys, and we will most definitely keep you guys abreast on that information. Now let's head over to the state of Michigan. Now, in the state of Michigan, uh, the only news I was bringing forward to you guys tonight was the fact that we have another fighter for a forensic audit in the state of Michigan. Now, the state of Michigan, I think, is probably one of the most corrupt states in the nation, in the union, right? Like we had definitely we definitely had a certain amount of corruption going on during the 2020 election uh, in their own uh, you know, precincts and counties and whatever shenanigans happened in the most contested states in the 2020 presidential election. But when it comes down to just downright corruption and uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, just not, not, uh, not fulfilling your duties as an elected official. I just see, I just see Michigan as being one of the most corrupt. And so uh, we have what we had one, uh, we had one, uh, um, we had, well, basically we had a situation here in Michigan, like, you know, even President Trump mentioned, Detroit is probably the most corrupt uh, city in the nation and uh, definitely in the state of Michigan. Uh, but uh, there was a time when, um, you know, lawmakers over in Michigan might have played ball with the idea of doing some type of audit or maybe looking into the voter fraud that's been reported in mass in the state of Michigan. But that was all quelched whenever Senator McBroom, a Republican, released his uh, his election fraud report. Now, of course, we reviewed that last week. Uh, wherein he found nothing to be concerned with, nothing to see here, nothing to see, nothing at all. And uh, basically uh, um, also attacked, he also attacked the uh, uh, election audit going on in the state of Arizona 
in that audit, I mean, neither here nor there, stick to your own state and business whenever you're performing your uh, your reportive and research duties, right, Senator McGroon? And so once you release that report, basically uh, they lost the fire there, most lawmakers. Now it seems a lot of the lawmakers in the state of Michigan, uh, Rhino or otherwise, ha don't have the uh, vigor and vim don't have that certain spice of life to stand up for their people, their constituents, themselves, the constitution and the country. Uh, but there are a few people who are coming out that are going to play ball and uh, they're going to go ahead and see what's going on now. Uh, one of the people that we had first mentioned in that uh, respects was Stephen Carr. That's this man here. Now, Stephen Carr, the representative of Michigan, um, he actually proposed um, a, a bill uh, before the House to see if they could get some money and some funding going into doing an election. We ran the story by you about a week, a week and a half ago. Uh, it was a House bill number 5091, where he requested $2.5 million to perform a forensic audit of the November 2020 presidential elections. Okay, so he was number one. Now, Steve Carr gave the thumbs up to Michigan citizens um, that he uh, that as he walked by organizers to prepare to deliver. He was there among uh, the the Michiganers, Michiganites, uh, who had handed over seventy five hundred affidavits demanding a forensic audit to lawmakers. So he was part of that. Now we saw affidavits going to the Secretary of Snakes by uh, Christina Caromo, who is running for Secretary of State in the state of Michigan, uh, but then also they were delivering affidavits to Governor Gretchen Retchen Whitmer herself. Now we're talking, that's like 7,500, 7,500. It's a lot of affidavits from a lot of angry Michiganers who are wanting some work done. Now someone else who is standing up for Michigan is this woman here, Representative, I think, Dare Rendon or Dyer Rendon. I'm not sure how you pronounce that name. Uh, but Miss uh, uh, Representative Rendon actually reached out to a news group by the name of 100% Fed Up, and she explained that she was very disappointed in the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee's report on uh, that uh, November 3 election um, 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 investigation that they did, I guess you could say. Uh, she, wrote a, she wrote a letter addressed to the citizens of the United States of America stating that she has evidence reflecting systemic election fraud in Michigan that occurred in the November 2020 election and is calling on all elected readers, uh, leaders in Michigan to continue their investigation into voter fraud. So she's she's calling it. She's saying, I have some I have some information. So keep on going. Now, Rendon also told 100 percent fed up that she believed that the Michigan senators should consider all of the evidence, including reports by highly, highly qualified experts who claim there was massive voter fraud in the November elections. So here here we got three people on the team. Here comes the third one. This one is a new not that Weaver guy, sorry, <laughs> but rather this gentleman here. This is a uh, this is a man by the name of Matt Murdoch. Uh, sorry, Matt Maddock. Uh, he is also a conservative lawmaker in the state of Michigan. Now, Matt Maddock actually wrote a statement. Um, it said, since December 9th, 2020, I have been in support of a forensic audit, having heard from eyewitnesses and too many voters at their doors in my district who don't trust the system. And I believe the legislator should offer a uh, order a forensic audit. 
Benson, he's talking about the Secretary of Snakes here. Um, um, uh, Benson, I can't remember her first name. Anyhow, uh, uh, Benson recounts are not enough. We must um, we must examine ballots, tabulators, and chain of custody, all of it. I don't think we have anything to lose, and it will help restore lost faith for millions of voters in the state of Michigan. So it seems like things will get roiling up here now. If we were to go over a quick timeline of what was going on in Michigan, of course, you had the massive dump of votes occurring overnight uh, that took the lead away from President Trump and, you know, handed it over to illegitimate Joe. Uh, and that was just one of the things, you know, we also had, of course, hundreds of actually 240 affidavits that were signed by um, a Michiganers who were uh, outraged at the vote fraud and the irregularities that they witnessed. Uh, these would be the GOP poll watchers and challengers in Detroit City alone, um, as well as uh, uh, the uh, Dominion individuals, uh, people who had witnessed what was going on with the Dominion machines. Of course, constitutional lawyer Matthew DiPerno uncovered in Antrim County that 5,000 votes were flipped from President Trump over to Joe Biden in that county alone. And then, of course, throughout that throughout that entire court process between where he representative uh, where he represented um, citizen uh, William Bailey in Antrim County, we also found out that uh, the Dominion voting machines could be used indeed to flip votes internally, and that also they were accessed uh, online um, externally, um, and uh, there's no telling what went on to there. So there was a lot of information that came out alone from Matt DiPerno's uh, court findings there alone. And of course, the state of Michigan never handed over any subpoenaed material uh, in the case of Antrim County, but that's not alone in that regard, because apparently... They had also subpoenaed uh, several materials from the state. The Senate had actually subpoenaed several materials. I guess this was in an effort for this uh, report that uh, Senator McBroom um, had put out, but they never turned over that material anyways. Uh, you know, the counties never turned over any of that material. Six months in, they were still waiting on, you know, uh, absentee voter counting board laptops, emails, logs, uh, anything related to poll watchers, chain of custody, communications, uh, hardware and software, memory cards, uh, routers, drivers, devices, all that stuff, adjudication machi machines, none of that stuff was ever turned over in a subpoena. It's interesting how these people can get away with defying court orders the way that they do. But anyhow, so that was just some of the material there that I wanted to share with you guys. Just a quick, quick recoup, a recap of, because, uh, you know, this, it's moving slow now in regards to what's going on with election information. But we were having a President Trump show tonight. So I thought I'd just give you guys a quick update on some of what's going on. Uh, we don't have Arizona and the update, but just so you guys know, uh, and I'm sure all of y'all are aware already, but, uh, you know, the materials from the audits that were taking place at Arizona were moved to another building on the grounds of the um, a Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And uh, last I heard, they were doing a fourth count of all the ballots using machines that would uh, count the ballots uh, like several hundreds at a time just so they can get, I mean, I'm sure that the, I'm, what I'm thinking in that regard is that the number is so dramatic in regards to the amount of ballots that are missing in those uh, pallets that uh, don't match up with 
the numbers that they have online on, you know, digitally, that they're doing another recount just to make sure that whenever they say, oh, you guys must have thrown away some ballots or something like that, that they can say, no, we weighed them. We counted them four or five times. We did it human with humans. We did it with machines. And if all of that uh, uh, data adds up and correlates, well, then I think that their battleship is sunk, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, let's see. D5 of information, isn't he? Okay. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for today's C report. I hope you guys had a good time. And this information was, if not, uh, bringing some uh, information back to mind, if not, some new information for all of you guys. But that's the way that we roll here at the C report. Uh, I do my, my best to, you know, kind of give you guys some nice, nice nuggets of info there and updates, of course, on what uh, I'm reading in the headlines as being imperative. Now, there's a lot of information always going on, of course. And, you know, sometimes there are some slow news dates. Uh, but, you know, if we ever have any other headlines that we miss, then make sure you guys tune into Mr. C in the Dark, and we will go over various headlines. Some of them are fun. Some of them are disturbing. Some of them are should be delegated to, like, you know, 3 in the morning. Uh, but otherwise, um, we'll also be live on Saturday. <clears throat> we also have Lone Star News over here on Mr. CTV. So any Texans, any expats from Texas, or anyone who just wants to come hang out with us, uh, make sure you tune in to uh, Lone Star News with myself and the Texan on Saturdays. We're moving that over to Saturday, guys. Now, we were doing it on Sundays before, but we'll be doing it on Saturdays. So just uh, check your local listings for times. Uh, but we'll always be here at the same station. Now, we should be doing it probably about 4 p.m. on Saturday. All right, guys, let me go ahead and release the scratch off for you all, for you all hanging out. Oh, whoops. <laughs> okay. All right. So that should take care of that. Let me go ahead and do a quick uh, jump back into chat. Glad you guys all hung out. Hey, Vic Giles, thank you for gifting shades. And you're most welcome for all of the information. We like to uh, make sure we cover and archive everything about President Trump and what's going on in the sphere. Hey, speak easy. I didn't see you there. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for hanging out. And also, thank you for gifting the can. We had a pretty good, uh, <laughs> regards from the bartender, we had a pretty good panel last night with myself, speak easy, and the Texan. It was a little wacky. You know, we were doing some off headlines, some, some celebrity headlines and stuff like that. So good conversation to all around. So you guys should go check out the replay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take off for tonight. And uh, we will most definitely be back in the house tomorrow. Should be same place, should be same time. Till then, all of y'all have a great evening. Stay safe and we will see you manana. <laughs>